it's Disney's. It's um, back. Yeah. We're back. We, yeah. And uh, we've been to see the Lion King. Yes, the king of yes. the lions. He really was quite regal and hairy. <laughs> and he gave us tickets to see the new remake of Disney's oh. The Lion King. Yes. We're here to talk about it, but this time, yeah. there's three of us here today. That's right. Yes. We're joined today by our special guest and animal correspondent. Yeah. That's me. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm a CG artist and an illustrator. I do lots of work for sometimes the furry community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do specialize in non-human 3D animation stuff. Yes. So that's Which is exactly what we're me. talking about today. Yeah. And I'm also a particularly lion-oriented person. Yes. So uh, that's why I'm here today. You are here as our lion correspondent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and lion expert. Because the lion correspondent. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Exactly. And frankly, that's going to be super useful, given what we've just observed. Yeah. Um, There was a lot of lions in it. There was all sorts of lions. It was one of the main things in it. Yeah. Um, So we've seen The Lion King 2019. See, we went in, I think, with more of an upbeat attitude to the film than a lot of the commentary about it that we've been seeing online. Yeah become a bit of a meme to kind of hate on the way that this film looks, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Jay was going in already just up for it anyway. I was going in sceptical, but going like, oh, no, I'm going to give it my best. And I was going into it the same way I do any film. Any film. Like, dead inside. <laughs> and just like, you know, a yawning void waiting for content to be shoveled into right. it. Me In a hope of filling the, that, why the you gap go to that's the cinema inside. So much? Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yet to work, but... I'm just figuring, I'm just waiting for the right film to complete me. Right, sure. And I did feel like The Lion King stood a greater than average chance of being that because we all have quite a yeah. bit of history with The Lion King in particular. Right, so let's... Us three do. Us yeah. three as a group. Separately and as a group. Yeah. Wait, so now we're going to begin our segment, Disney Baggage. Yes. <laughs> do we, do you need to do a jingle for that. I know. Yeah. I'll do it for this episode. Yeah, sure. You'll just have I know! It, there. it should be Andy Peters saying the thing about baggage. Oh, God. <laughs> Hold it! There's a couple more bags coming to the terminal! As you'll have probably heard us mention before on the podcast, we went through an entire project where That's we, right. that is to say, us three plus Abby. Abby, we went through and we watched all of the Disney animated canon. Mm-hmm. And that was kicked off by one of the first things that we ever all did together after getting together as friends, which was in 2011, seeing the 3D re-release mm-hmm. of The Lion King mm. in the cinema. We subsequently, years later, went to see the stage show all That's together. That's right, we all when, went to that together. When it came to Manchester, so... We are really all, as a group, running through all of the Lion King yeah. things. We're all very invested in it. I like, mean, I guess I should say, yeah. the first game that I ever owned yeah. was the Lion King on Genesis. Oh. Yeah. It was the thing that made me want to work in games. So, um, I guess the next thing we all need to do is a Let's Play of that. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I have that game down to a if we're go- If we're going to cover every single Lion King thing together, yeah. that's one of them. It's Wait, I don't want to commit to anything that will make us have to watch Lion King 2 again. <laughs> if you we, don't want to hear Inupendi again? Inupendi, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no. uh, moving on from Inupendi. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Lion King 2019. Right then. I've got two completely different boxes of opinions about this film. Yeah. It, think of it as like a, to like a, one of those cupboards where you've got the left door and the right door and there's a wall between them. Yeah. This is, this is how I... My only way of responding to this film because one of those little cabinets is the way it looks. And yeah. it's the art direction and the animation. And what it represents as a sort of a yep. 
creative endeavor and an you know an artistic mm. experiment, so to speak. And that I think is based on a lot of reviews and responses I've seen. The only door a lot of people are aware of yeah, with this film. But then there's the other door, which is about this film and about this version of the Lion King and, yeah. and the direction and so this on. This telling of that story. And that door is not as happy a door. Yes. As the art door. It's not as it's not all bad. It's no. not all rotted in there, but like So should we open the art door first? Because let's... that's where I think we're gonna have a lovely time frolicking about in the art door. Yeah. <laughs> the king has returned. This metaphor is really breaking down because this was a cupboard when you started out. I'm yeah. just kind of letting you guys well, do it's this a, yourself. It's a Narnia wardrobe now. Now it opens up okay. onto the Serengeti and you follow about. And it's a nice. It looks super real in there, doesn't it? Looks it looks completely real in there, yeah. And obviously. The lampposts are really realistic rendered. <laughs> the lampposts? Yeah, that was a Narnia thing. This metaphor is nonsense now. It's not, because that was the last time we had a quote-unquote realistic talking lion on the screen, right? That doesn't mean that that, this (laughs) metaphor still makes any sense. Yes, it does. Right, so I was actually thinking a lot about Aslan as I was watching this film and about um, how he is as close as to a photorealistic lion as they could get at the time and how it's actually quite close to what we see on screen today because I took a little bit of a liberty to just sort of rewatch some footage of Aslan before uh, I actually yeah. went to to do this adventure um, with you two strange people yeah. and um, I really had to take the criticisms that have been floating around on the internet into a really specific focus because the difference between these lions we see in The Lion King 2019 and Aslan when they're talking and, and when he's emoting is actually incredibly little. Really? I had no problem accepting these lions talking and saying these things and emoting. And insofar as lion body language is concerned, stuff is on point here that maybe, like, unless you're kind of a lion-focused person, you mm-hmm. might not really pick up on right away. And a lot of that was was really on point. Although, I would say, the ears are not used well. Right. Inexpl- I'd heard that. Yeah. So you agree with that. So, listener, Jay is just super observant of this sort of stuff. We knew that we would not be able to tell quite as well as Jay would. Yeah. How well they were doing at the micro expression stuff. Yeah. They did move. There's some ear flicking. There's a little bit of gesturing in certain scenes, especially when Simba's running away from the hyenas. He yeah. does mm. pin his ears back. Yeah. But in a lot of other sort of scenes, especially if you compare them to the animated version, um, there's not enough ear pinning. And I know this seems very pedantic, but it's actually a huge way of how cats express themselves. And this is the thing about it, because you say, compared to the animated version, I think that mm. brings into focus oh, what, yeah, the that's lo- opening a can of what, what, what the larger <laughs> point is here. Because you bring up Aslan as a comparison point, yes. and why people seem to generally accept Aslan. Mm. But I think that's because Aslan is... Well, he's a literary character who would always, I think, have been imagined to the reader as a big, normal-looking lion who talks. And that's what... And in that context, it's weird that he's talking anyway. Yeah. So there is... You're expected to go like, ooh, weird, the lion is talking, rather Mm -hmm. than in this film, which expects you to just think it's natural, essentially. Mm, And we already have a model for what this looks like under normal circumstance. We have an animated film that we're all used to. We're all used to how it looks. We're all used to how it's stylized. And it's been very difficult, I think, for the broad conversation around this film to take place and pretend that we don't... Like, it's in a sense of indecision about whether it wants you to be thinking about the animated film or not. It's simultaneously (laughs) asking you, hey, 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 remember the animated film? Mm. But also, hey, hey, don't remember the animated film. 
Because yeah. what we're doing, we're coming at this from a completely different direction. As John Favreau has explicitly said, this wasn't an accident. There is an aesthetic choice gone on here. Yep. There is an artistic decision gone on here that this is not... I mean, it is completely animated. Let's not toss around that word live action with yeah. this because that's no, ridiculous. That's it's, it's another cartoon, yeah. but it's not a cartoon cartoon. Mm -hmm. The decision here is we are not going to use the cartoon stylizations. We are not going to use all the weird abstractions. We are going to make this look as close to reality as we possibly can, mm. with the exception that the lion's mouths move and talk in yeah. Beyond Animals' voice. Uh, so, which is a big liberty, admittedly, yeah. but it's kind of the only one, really. Obviously, look, we will compare it to the animated one, of but course. what we were most interested, I think, on looking at this from, and that's why we brought Jay in particularly, is let's evaluate how well does this film do on its own stated goals, mm -hmm. which was... We're going to tell the story of The Lion King with lip-flapping aside only naturalistic animal ranges of movement, facial expression, body language. We're going to use animal body language. We're not going to use cartoon anthro-human body language. We're going to try and do this in a way that's native to the way that lions move, the way that lions interact with each other, and the way that lions emote, I suppose. Yep. And that's obviously very, very different from how humans act. And emote and, and move. For the most part, it is very, very different from how the animated Lion King worked. Because yeah. I have to say, I've always felt this way about Lion King lions versus actual lions. Lion King lions to lions are Barbies to humans. Yes. <laughs> that is the comparison I've always made. Yeah. The very features are just really exaggerated. Yeah. Um, proportions are a little bit weird. The faces don't look quite right in my opinion even though it's a stylized cartoon that's just how i feel yeah um, and one of the shortcuts that they use is they put human eyeballs in there human eyebrows human eyebrows mm -hmm. yeah um hairdos oh hairdos exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah like there's a lot of very anthropomorphic shortcuts that um this yeah. film tried to avoid and Pitsies. I want to say as well that lions, just as they are, and felines in general, are actually a very emotive species, mm -hmm. particularly lions, um, because they are social animals and they have to communicate to each other. And I think that this film really paid close attention to that and did a lot really well with that. But honestly, they could have pushed it more and mm. it still would have fit in the range of what lions can actually do. Mm, I agree with that. Ears yeah. are a huge part of how cats communicate, but also how cats squint, how much they open their eyes. And how much, and I mean, I don't know much about lions, but as someone who grew up with cats, yeah. I was quite surprised at how little they use the sort of crouchy downy thing they do when the it's fight thing. or flight. Yeah. yeah, I felt that that was really underused as well. Yeah. And it ends up meaning that like the lion cubs particularly, because the problem I don't think is quite as pronounced with the adult lions, but the, hmm. uh, the cubs, in particular especially because they're put in situations in this film where they would be very scared mm -hmm. don't really show that as much as i think they could have they don't crouch and tense up as much as you might yeah. expect they don't pin their ears back they don't start you know curling their lips and, and widening their eyes really loud like you don't actually see the whites of their eyes yeah. very much and you, you probably would if something was scared to death mm. and that's so weird it is really weird. given that they've tied one hand behind their back and said to themselves, we are not using human body language. All we are making available to ourselves to have our characters emote and feel and communicate is the types of communication that are native to felines that, frankly, as Dave gets out there, 
that's going to be familiar to more than just it's nature just enthusiasts. Cats, just, just cat owners. Yeah, cats you know? have been domesticated for almost as yeah. long as yeah. dogs and horses. Yeah, and I just didn't feel like they were always using the full no. cat vocabulary, and no. that's weird. Mm. I mean, also, it's kind of like, look at the internet. We know, I know. We know how expressive cats are. And yeah. That's why, with their huge eyes and their you know cute faces and the way that they can push forward their lips to show disgust and just all kinds of things, we can read a cat's face. So yeah. if you're going to use feline you know body language and emotive capabilities, use the full range. And yeah. I don't yeah. think that this film always hit it. Yeah. With that said, I do actually think that every bit of like cat body language that they did use worked. Oh, totally. Like, mm. and whenever they pushed at something, I felt like, I see what that is. I understand that. That's not necessarily a human thing to do, but I get it. Absolutely, yeah. Did you have anything that you noticed in particular? Oh, basically, no. And that's my overall thing I wanted to say. Yeah. I, I spent this film more or less convinced. There was a couple of moments here and there where I remembered I wasn't looking at things that were real. Yeah. For me, sort of normal scrub, but recognises what a cat is. It looked real to me. And... Yeah. And it didn't look... This is my concern. I wondered if, because of the fact that none of it's real, I wondered if it would come off as a sort of a taxidermy version of The Lion King. Yeah. And it didn't. They started off very strong. I think the first time you see Baby Simba roll over and look at you, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. There's there's a small cat. It is cute. It did all look real to me. It all looked real. And never once... I thought about it, but never once did I see any breaks in the reality of the background. No. The settings and stuff. The background stuff is insane. There's no photography of any actual nature. And this this. film kind of drove that home because even though it looked like it was real, what it also looked like was a perfect real-life recreation of some of the sets we recognise. Right down to like the positioning of some of the rocks and twigs and stuff. like Specific rock shapes Mm. and everything. Yeah, yeah. just there like they should be. I have no doubt that if Pride Rock was a real, honest-to-God place, that's exactly what it would look like. I think there's a big question mark for people who haven't seen the film yet and are speculating about it or have seen the trailers. Will I spend this film going, I'm watching CG Lions? And no, I... Including the fact that they were singing. Right up to and including that. Yeah. I never was taken out of the film by by anything that made me see artificiality in it. No. The way they do the phonemes for all these animals. And oh. for, for the non-animators, I guess, among us, like phonemes right. are the mouth shapes that you mm, make when yeah. you enunciate. So how they map sounds. the sounds to a, to yeah. a non-human mouth in this case. Yes. Particularly, I thought that Pumbaa's phonemes were great. Mm. I thought that he, um, the way that he moved his face and, and articulated this kind of stuff, totally believable for the musculature of that kind of a face and also just completely readable like it was it was really impressive even though i'm considering the fact that like lions especially have quite jowly faces so like they're even though their jaws are moving and stuff it is a little bit more subtle but even considering that it was totally believable to hear these voices coming out of those faces and think yep they're talking it's fine when i said that there were a couple of moments where i i didn't feel that i am talking about syllables there yeah. was now and then a lion would say a syllable and I'd be like, oh, that's CG. Yeah. And the rest of the time I wasn't even really yeah. thinking that. And intellectually I was, but not that wasn't my response. So, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, in terms of like animal-specific stuff, I've spent a lot of time with Jay over the yes. last seven years. You've had a crash course in animal <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like we want to have a specific note on the lion sound effects okay. of the lion roaring. Oh. Which we always found was going to be an interesting question. Lions very frequently in film 
do not sound like actual lions. They sound like tigers. Because, frankly, actual lion roars sound really stupid. Oh. They kind of do. I mean, like, lions are completely capable of making theatrical growls, especially right. when yeah. they're fighting. But when a lion just actually roars for the sake of it, it's not the kind of roar that you usually expect. Right. Yeah. It like sounds... That, yeah. Sort of roar. That's a sounds, tiger roar. Yeah, that's a tiger roar. I mean, yes, there's the MGM lion, but that's uh, sort of an exception to the rule. Generally, yeah. they sound a lot more like, oh. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. With a whoosh, and a whoosh, and a royal growl. They tend to sort of bellow or bark yell, and they just kind of do it a bunch until it fades away to nothing, and then usually they just lie down. Yep. (laughs) So it was interesting to hear that in this film, they do jazz up the foley of the lions a little bit, um, but they do actually make that weird barking. Yeah, they sound like lions in this film, and they didn't in the 90s film. Notably, pay attention. Sounded like Matthew Broderick in that. Pay attention, new viewers, if you go to see this. Um, yeah. Mufasa comes up to the sunrise to speak yeah. to, to Simba. And when he sits down, he roars at the dawn. And yeah. it's, it sounds just like, huh. just like a lion roar. Yeah, it sounds like a lion roar. Like you'd expect. Woof. Yeah. Woof. 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 <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah. They just get more and more bored. And then, <laughs> and then, and then they, they stop. Right. And that is how the film should have ended. You know, like when he's on top of Pride Rock, got more bored and then it stopped, and then he lies down. Yeah, and then it's the Lion King. <laughs> That's the scientifically accurate ending of the Lion King. Yeah. And one of the things that I've learned from her that we, I think we we're both specifically looking for, and that they did brilliantly, is the idea of a lion sitting down as a show of dominance. Ah, right. Scar, I just wanted to say, like, Scar's way of physically communicating himself in this film is brilliant. Yeah. The way that he moves his tail, the way that he postures himself when he's speaking to people, it's exactly... Like what I would expect from from some somebody who watches Lions twenty four seven. Yeah, like, great. Um, in a lot of scenes, like it's a show of dominance. It's just a show of of uh, I am not threatened by you, mm-hmm. and I am going to show you exactly how not threatened I am by you by sitting and just just lying down while you're yelling at me because. Pfft, Right. Yeah. I don't care, and it's it's that kind of feline thing. And they um, did that they a couple of times, really effectively. Times really effectively yeah. with Scar, and I was just like, ah, I see what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. And I yeah. did, and I did miss that. Yeah. So, but I didn't feel like I was. I didn't feel like I was missing anything at the time. So yeah. they've got multiple layers going on, depending on how much you know about lions. Because they good did to that. Know. They did that really well in uh, the Jungle Book as well, was she? Oh, on. yeah. And I noticed it then because. Yeah. And now but, I see. Now that I've seen the Lion King. I now get what John Favreau was saying yeah. when there's a quote that has not gone down very well with the general sort of commentary people on the internet, where he said that, "Oh, in the Jungle Book, we made them emote too much," mm. and I, I was and I was with them. I was kind of going, mm, "Okay," yeah. But now I've seen what the Lion King is. Yeah, they they do emote a bit too much in the Jungle Book. I think at yeah. least for this project, yes, it succeeds at being what it's trying to be, which is like, imagine if we just really well directed nature photographers to put together what would add up to make the lion king with just out of this world animal actors Mm -hmm. yeah that we could train to do like literally everything you'd do that's it there was a a feeling i had a couple of times during this film that was like there were films like this when i was growing up 
Like, yeah. what's it? The the Great Journey. Or Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound. Yeah. 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 Where you yeah. where you are watching a film where they've directed some animals and yeah. they have to use camera trickery to make it look like what they're doing is and telling four a story. Billion takes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And the, honestly, the parts of the Lion King that are the most believable yeah. look like a totally successful ideal version of that <laughs> the homeward bound version of the Lion King well, that yeah. Mouse, yeah but that works the yeah the mouse yeah, exactly the mouse at the beginning when it failed on its first hop up the stone yeah I fantastic. noticed that as well it's yeah. just perfect yeah, yeah. Just perfect. It just looks like nature, Completely you know? Completely natural movement. Yeah. You just don't even think about it. You're just like, yep, that is a mouse yeah. and it is organically navigating you, through that environment. And when you... Now, I've never... You've animated stuff in 3D. I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've never built anything in 3D. So I don't understand... I do not fundamentally understand. <laughs> but when I was trying to think in that mode and I was going like, okay, so I'm aware this is graphics. I couldn't. It was in Pendra. I can't... I don't know how humans did this. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't and you know on this podcast we know that they don't press the animate an animal button yes and it is yeah. work and hard work and god oh those takes on twitter boy oh yeah <laughs> cause yeah this is a thing to get into one of the biggest criticisms of this film and you know this is struck across all the Disney live action remakes but especially this one which is as faithful as it is mm-hmm. with the exception of the aesthetic is what's the point where's the soul What's the artistic vision here? Mm-hmm. Is there one? Mm-hmm. Or is this just automated? You know, a, a creative enterprise can be soul or feel soulless. Yeah. That's a debate worth having. It's a debate worth having. Yeah. And, it's and we'll debate- be having it on the Beauty and the Beast episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of takes and a lot of commentary on this film that I don't feel like approach the idea of a point to this version of Lion King. They don't take that question seriously enough. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's just, you have to find the shape of it in there because it's, they make it difficult to find it because what it is to all intents and purposes is just like, oh, it's the Lion King again. And it is the Lion King again, but... Sometimes, shot for shot. Yeah, this is more the Lion King again than Mm -hmm. any of the previous remakes have been that film again. To be honest, it's more shot for shot than any remake I've seen for... Yeah. This is Gus Van Sant. This is Gus Van Sant's psycho level of shot-for-shot remake. I don't see many people do something this slavish. We'll come to that. Yes, that's in in the other door, isn't it? But in terms of, like, what's the point of this? Some of the criticism and some of the more outright cynical takes Mm -hmm. come across, A, just snobbery against CGI and, Mm -hmm. like, a sense that CGI isn't the same work. It's not the same artistry. Press button, create lion. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, a computer does it. Yeah. So where's the soul, you know? <sighs> like, that kind of thing. <laughs> I saw takes being like, oh, look, if this was your tweet and you recognize this as being your tweet, I'm sorry, I don't mean to call you out specifically, <laughs> you as a human, but this take really vexed me. I saw someone saying like, I feel sorry for the animators on this. Oh. Like, I feel sorry for any for the people who joined Disney, you know, with their dreams of working right. for Disney. Oh, I saw that. They all have joined Disney with this vision of what they were going to do, yeah. and they've been made to do this essentially, like, factory, you know, right. processed meat version of animation. Right, right. And I'm like, give me a break. You look at the work in this film. Are you telling me that those animators don't have pride and creativity in the mm. craft there? And that there isn't craft in there? That there isn't tremendous artistry? Yeah. Okay. Like, you take this. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> There is immense artistic love in 
every frame yeah. of this film. Honestly, it blasts out of the screen yeah. how much the artists who worked on this loved this Cared film. about it. I, I confess, in the lead up to seeing it, I didn't imagine there would be, but no, it, yeah, I absolutely agree. It was clearly a work of great, great For passion example, and skill. Like that mouse scene that yeah. we just talked about. Yeah. I mean, that sequence in the animated film is very, very short. Mm -hmm. It's uh, much longer of an introductory piece in this film. And I can just imagine how you'd get that mouse to move yeah. like that. And yeah. the little things that you get to know about the creature when you examine them to mm. animate them and just the way that it pauses, drinks, pauses again, darts off, you know, it's just the way that they do it. There's so much life in it. Yeah. And that is not something you press on a button for yeah. a computer to do. It's Somebody like, does it's that. It's like when they made Bambi. It's sort of almost a, a similar project in, yeah. in the yeah. sense of how much they must have studied animals to mm -hmm. get close to doing this. Exactly. And it's it's a shame because, like, I think even layman can yeah. look at Eric Goldberg's genie yeah. or, you know, Andres Deja's... Wait, did he do Scar? Am yeah. I misattributed? Yeah. No, no, no that's him, yeah. yeah. People can look at that and it's very easy straight away to see where the artistry is because it's stylized. Yeah. Stylized artistry is easier to spot yeah. in a lot of ways uh, because it's not what people are used to and people can see... Sometimes I feel like you've got to be very artificial in order to be people to see the art in it. Because mm -hmm. people can look at that mouse scene and be like, where's the art in that? It just looks like a mouse. It's like, yeah, it looks like a mouse! You That's, know? Yeah. You've made yeah. a real mouse out of nothing. Yeah, and it, it's a trouble that they must have known they would always have because most people aren't going to understand what the animation in this is. You yeah. know, unless they've watched a lot of special features about CG animation yeah. or tried it themselves. Mm. The point of this is to fool people into not seeing what was done. Yeah. And unfortunately, that also means that it has the effect of people not thinking much was done. Yeah, when, when literally everything was, was done. Probably the most the, the most done the most animation <laughs> yeah. work that I've seen thing. in one place in one time. The saddest thing about it is that sometimes CGI is the best when you don't notice it. Yeah. yeah. And that it's all this work and all this effort and all this technical knowledge goes in service of not being noticed. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you you are truly successful when your efforts are being checked on, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also wanted to say that there's a lot of criticisms floating around about these lions just looking like some lions and not looking different from each other. Yeah. And to me, I mean, I guess I know that I'm coming at this as somebody who spends an inordinate amount of time watching that kind of stuff. So yeah. I get that maybe I will notice these little things more than someone else. But look at Scar's design yeah. in this film, for example. Firstly, I like what they did in that they made him look like he is related to Mufasa. Mm. Um, I actually do not like the color choices of the original uh, characters Ooh. in the animated film. I don't <laughs> oh. like them. <laughs> I'm Takes sorry. A bit I know, right? <laughs> Okay, I understand color theory and yeah. why they did it, and I understand what those colors are meant to communicate with the animated Scar. I get it. I do. Um, but I it's like... It's not like you grew up hating the Lion King. <laughs> no, right? No, no. Um, but uh, I do like that they made them look like actual brothers here. Yeah. yeah. But the difference is, is that uh, Scar is definitely older, and I think in the later stages of tuberculosis. 
Mm. Judging by the way that... It doesn't that look well. No, he doesn't. He doesn't, and the way that he's exhibiting some certain kind of uh, muscle wastage. Oh. He has exposed black skin. He's got fur falling out. Yeah. He looks like lions with tuberculosis. Huh. And I think that that really does suit his character for being twisted. And uh, my brother got the lion's share of the bronze and all this kind mm. of stuff. Yeah. Right? He really does look of a piece with Mufasa. So yeah. rather than... But afflicted. Rather, so in the... Because in the original, he talks about the you know the gene pool yeah, uh, yeah. extreme poo we misheard that as a kid uh, <laughs> but uh, I got the shallow end of extreme poo yeah it was a, not, yeah, yeah. Not, not the best place to go swimming <laughs> but um, the reason I mention it is because in that one they've gone oh he's weaker so they've drawn him physically completely different and scrawnier and so on yeah whereas in this one it's more like that lion wouldn't be able to hold its own weight <laughs> yeah. so instead it's weaker in the sense that it's not doing as well physically as, yeah. as Mufasa is yeah but it's clearly of the same stock as Mufasa it's just mm. that he's he's all messed not, up yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. afflicted I will say this actually because mm. I'm sympathetic with that all that and you know I broadly agree there were points specifically the biggest point I can think of at the end when it's dark just after the final battle mm-hmm. where Simba just won and he goes and he nuzzles like Nala and Sarabi I don't know in which order he did that. Yes, no. Because same. I could in the in I'm those light I couldn't tell the difference between. Yep, in that lighting two, conditions, no. all those lionesses look the same to me. <laughs> For the rest of the film, you can see things in their faces, head shapes, yeah, musculature, and, and given stuff. what this project is, I don't really see that as a negative because in that particular case, it doesn't really matter what order he nuzzles them in. Yeah, no. the rest of the time there were context clues to tell you who's who and. I can't tell the difference between lionesses in real life. Yeah, and that's and fine. I'm always, I'm often surprised. It's got a bit racist in here. Now. I know. Wow. Sorry, but I'm often wow, surprised. Dave. When, you know when you're watching like a zookeeper documentary or something, and they say like, "Oh, this animal is this name," and you go, "You didn't even pause to check which yeah. one it was. Like you just know by looking." And of course, animal do, owners yeah. do. When it is important for you to know who's talking, you know who's talking. Yeah, yeah. And let me be clear, I couldn't tell the difference between Sarabi and Nala in the cartoon either. <laughs> I couldn't. Well, yeah, this is also what I wanted to say. Yeah. Like, okay, take a look at all the different lionesses in The Lion King, and also, if you want to, The Lion King 2. I don't want I don't to do it. I, mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to take a look at The Lion King 2. Can we stop circling back round <laughs> to the idea that I'm going to have to watch The Lion King 2 again? You will. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, when they do the remake of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, just like, I can't tell the difference between any of those lionesses. They all look like carbon copies yeah. of Sarabi, and Nala is the only one that looks different. Yeah. Yeah. And in two, there's the Outlander-type lioness, and then there's the uh, Pridelander-type lioness, and then later, when the prides, like, come together, they all look like the Pridelander <laughs> lioness, and just kind of get rid of that aesthetic yeah. choice entirely. So that was something that I noticed, and, like, when people levy that criticism, I think, well, well, it's, I don't know, it's kind of applicable to the anime animated hmm. version too yeah. and I don't know if that's really something to really single out there or if you're just kind of looking for stuff to pick up you know what I mean yeah. yeah opinions are opinions subjectivity is what it is I'm okay with anyone not being on board with what it is this film is trying to do oh, yeah art's subjective but I feel like a lot of people either can't comprehend or are not trying to comprehend what this film is yeah. doing in the first place what I would say it is doing is 
it is essentially a foreign language movie. The point of comparison that comes to mind, weirdly, is like, I don't know, like Mel Gibson doing The Passion of the Christ all in ancient, you know, Hebrew or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was, or that film he did about the Mayans, you know, Apocalypto, which was all in that language, right. which I cannot remember which language it was. Maybe I'll look Say that up. all of them and I'll splice in the, <laughs> the correct ones. But you know what I mean by that? Yeah. He did that knowing, I'm not doing this for the ancient Mayan community. <laughs> like... I'm doing this just for an effect. You know, how much can I just push an adaptation of a real-world scenario out of the comfort zone of, like, we're going to adapt it for you and mm. make it and serve it up to you in a way that you're very familiar with? It's like, no, let's let's present The Lion King in its native language, so to speak. Yeah, no, I did think while I was watching it that artistically it lived up to the dream of Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, but- look, fortunately it didn't live up to that many dreams of Mel Gibson. <laughs> yes. But, like, um, you know what I'm getting at? I know it's what you're like, getting at. It does feel like an experiment in making a film without some of the usual trappings. Without the crutches. Without some honestly. of the crutches. Yeah, yeah. You can disagree that that's a thing that's worthwhile to do either in general or as being enough reason to make a new version of The Lion King. Mm-hmm. But... I think it's a fascinating thing to do. It absolutely is. I also think it bodes well for future films that uh, maybe don't have as many human protagonists in Mm -hmm. them. I think that it's... it's Or don't filter everything through... Through a human lens. Like, it's interesting to be able to be like, hey, look, you can look at this film... You don't need human eyeballs stuck in an animal skull for you to be able to know what they're feeling. Like in the Planet of the Apes movies. In the Planet of the Apes films. I mean, I complain about that one because I am a pedant about apes having black or grey sclera. That's the white of your eyes. (laughs) I'm just a pedant about that. But... The thing is, is that that film did a great service to be like, films can be carried by things that aren't human. Alien they, characters, yeah, essentially. Yeah, alien characters and stuff like that. So it really bodes well for future projects and opens the scope of film for that as a proof of concept. Yeah. This yeah. is really neat for that. This film is a proof of concept for a lot of stuff, in, yeah. you know, technically and in that style. I always have very little time when people swarm on outlier ideas, mm-hmm. especially ones that could be the vanguard of something Something genuinely interesting later on. Right. You know, in the early 2000s, you'd been very um, iffy about the wave of performance capture movies yes. that were coming around at that yes. time, like the Robert Zemeckis school of Polar Express. Yes, I thought they were grotesque. And, and they were, but they were always the vanguard of something more interesting and better and more useful coming around the corner yeah, afterwards. Yeah, when those, when those films were coming out, uh, listener, Jahan tried to explain to me that, yes... These films might be bad, but isn't it interesting what they could be later? And yeah. uh, and I, you know, I comprehended what you were saying then, but yeah. like you're right, you've turned out right because yeah. here we have. I mean, this isn't motion capture, but it's somewhere down that line yeah. we've ended up with this ability to take seriously the idea of a film where it's not Mike Myers with yeah. cat makeup on to play a cat. Well, take one of your favorite films of this year, Alita: Battle Angel. Yes, that doesn't happen if Robert Zemeckis didn't make exactly. the Polar Express. Yeah, it's absolutely. just that it's that simple. I won't have mentioned it on this podcast. Genuinely, I saw that multiple times in IMAX. Loved it. I thought it was genuinely just great. Those films don't happen unless people go out there and make these oddball decisions Mm. that everyone's like why are you doing that we've never seen anyone doing that 
and frankly, your initial attempt at doing it looks weird. Yes. And it doesn't look finished. And that's never going to be anything. Yeah. I do think there is an artistic purpose Mm -hmm. to using the familiarity of audiences with The Lion King. Yeah. And using the fact that that is as guaranteed, you know, it's like a check for $1.5 billion that Disney can take to the bank, regardless of how caked in crap it is. And like, just say, here, give me a billion and a half dollars. And that's what they'll get back. So they're using this to do stuff that is in format experimental look i'd prefer if they experimented with other stuff too and mm-hmm. we'll get to that oh, yeah but technically i do think that they are ushering in things here that could be really exciting yeah, in, in years the to way. come they paved the way for some really interesting projects to come yeah, yeah i think so maybe in future we won't need in you know, like, say, Star Trek, how all the aliens are, you know, people with, with yeah. various foreheads or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, in the future, maybe it will be more common that we start seeing in science fiction films genuinely alien species. Yeah. That are only, like, moderately recognisable. Yeah, but that are meant to carry yeah. crucial parts of the story. You know, that's why that's why something like District 9 was so exciting. Yeah. Those are characters that lack so many of the traditional staples of, like, mm what people think you need to humanize a character. Well, interestingly, what the uh, designers there, because I have the art book, what the designers there thought would humanize them is to give them cat eyes. Uh, Yeah, right? Yeah. I see all of that stuff as part of the same interesting continuity towards, like, just making us a little bit broader-minded in the kinds of story we can tell and the kinds of technology we can use to tell those stories. And you're using the fact that Lion King is essentially the safest bet in the entire world to push those things through. We've addressed the fact that there's a a lot of pushback against the look of Mm -hmm. this, but I do genuinely think that the average person or family going to this purely because it says Lion King on it and, ah, we need to go to something. As we record this, it's the first weekend of the summer holiday for a lot of people. I think most of those people will have a perfectly fine time watching what they feel is the Lion King. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. I think so. But in doing so, maybe also be conditioned a little bit yeah. to well, seeing more like this stuff yeah. in future. The eventual much, remake think... of All Dogs Go to Heaven. Not <laughs> well, think of, how, <laughs> think of how much conditioning it took for us to get from where we started with superhero films to where we are now. Yeah, yeah exactly. For example, yeah. we needed the sort of gunmetal gray edgelord level, yeah. like the, ex- you know, the original X Men costumes. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, getting rid of that and just being like, no, this is it, but serious. We really needed that to get to a point now where one of the most popular superheroes now is a talking CGI raccoon and a tree. Yep, exactly, and yeah. we would not have got that back no, when, exactly. when the X-Men first came out. We need these things to push these ideas so that we get really unique and interesting stuff in future. And on the same token, like that's not just within the superhero genre. Like I don't necessarily know that we get them if we didn't get Avatar, mm. you know? And I don't know if we would have got Avatar if we didn't get Polar Express. Yeah. And everything paves the way for something else afterwards, potentially. On that basis, I'm kind of, with the, you know, with only a few caveats, unreservedly positive about Mm. The Lion King 2019. Yeah, same. That's one door. (laughs) That's the art door. If there are any filmmakers listening, please, please make Star Tide Rising. Please, please. (laughs) Please give me my dolphins in space film. I'll do, do CG for it. What do you mean? They already made Johnny Mnemonic. Shh! <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm not to mention Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> Look, Jones is great, but no. 
So, so that's the that's the part of the Lion King that's that's the art that's really excellent. Door. And yes. that, it's all Love it. all lovely inside that part of the yep. cupboard. Everything's Total success. Everything nicely organized. It's fragrant. It's you know, it's nutritious. But then there's this other door that's <laughs> a little bit creakier. Yeah. Mm, yes. Let's open it. It starts. I have a little bridge between okay. these two doors, which is that a lot of the reviews... This analogy! Yeah, it's a bridge over a little stream going between the two doors of the cupboard, right? Yep, um, sure. <laughs> a lot of the reviews that I've seen have pointed out bits where they've said, oh, the animals don't emote very well, and the, you know, so there are these bits where the emotions don't come across. I don't think... I agree that those bits, the emotions didn't come across, but I don't think it was because of anything to do with the CG... I agree. ...or the animals' faces mm-hmm. at yeah. all. I think there are some issues with how the story is told. Yeah. Yep. I came into this honestly wanting to see a bit of a remix of The Lion King, a, a yep. shake-up of it. Yeah. Because, two reasons. Number one is John Favreau. Yeah. He made The Jungle, Jungle Book, Book into a completely different story, yep. functionally. Same-ish characters... Totally different roles for huge swathes of the characters. Entirely different ending, which transforms the theme of the entire film. Yeah, mm. different focus on theme. Yeah. Yep, completely different film. So I was thinking, like, when I saw the trailers for this one, it's like, okay, this looks very, very similar to the yeah. original. This must just be all the similar yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was hoping that they'd taken the bits where they'd... And I, and I assumed that for the trailer, they put these bits in the film in the yeah. first place. So they could cut together a very similar trailer. And I was thinking, oh, how exciting. What will it be when the hand of John Favreau takes... It, yep. And it'll be closer to the original. They'll have to have the same themes, but they'll be able to study them more deeply. They'll yep. be able to expand them outwards. Because, frankly, The Lion King's a more modern film. So, obviously, yeah. it's made more to modern sensibility yeah. anyway. How will you have fidelity to that yep. while still making it this new film? And making it your own take and your own updated version of it. Because, yeah. frankly, the other point that I was going to make is The Lion King is a film that is very compatible with being updated and changed. Yes. Like, I am far from the first person to make this observation, but The Lion King is a bizarrely shaped film, Mm. the original. Like, you know, if you're working by the concept of the three-act structure, The Lion King is like 50% Act 1. Yeah. 40% Act 3. Yeah. And the middle of that film is an inconsequential bit of nothing (laughs) where you have the entire first half of young Simba learning from his dad leading up to the big turn Mm -hmm. where Mufasa dies, spoilers, and he's run out of town and Scar takes over as king and he forsakes all of his duties. Obviously what leads up to the climax of that is him having the big turn where he realises, oh, I've left behind my true identity. I need to reclaim the mantle of king. I need to go back and I need to take back what's rightfully mine, etc. Take responsibility. Take responsibility yeah. for my life. The bit in the middle of that is like 10 minutes. Yeah. During which very little happens. He's basically with Timon and Pumbaa for a little while. Nala and Rafiki turn up in pretty close proximity to each other and say, What the hell? Yeah. And then he's like, Yeah, all right. Yeah. And then goes home. basically tell him as a precocious teenager all right time to get a job yeah Yeah. and then he's like yeah fair play and then yeah and then does then does it (laughs) there's no middle to the story and i was really looking forward to seeing Mm. well you're gonna flesh that out aren't you yeah 
They don't. No. <laughs> no. They they don't do anything yeah. to this story. I almost don't want to break it to people who haven't seen the film, but it's there's nothing new. different or new yeah. except a word here or there. Yeah. Oh, there's the idea that there are other animals that live yeah. in that like That's the biggest oasis change place. In the whole film. Yeah. It's yeah. not just Timon and Pumbaa, it is a little community. Of sort it's of a like hippie community, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Of like buggy eating Which animals. I which yeah. I found exciting and interesting because of like oh this is the setup for how they're going to make this different yep and it's never used again yeah like i was hoping that maybe simba will be able to explore more facets of his personality yeah. or yep. or come to a halfway house between realizing that he needs to go home already before nala shows up yeah, and we then can explore like, some of the ideas yeah. explore the idea of the kind of life he grew to lead yeah. Yeah. integrated into this weird little community or something unfortunately like that. i would say it, it kind of has a negative effect of reducing the importance of Timon and Pumbaa as yeah. characters because mm -hmm. now they're just two of the people that are there in the original they very much feel almost like they kind of take over parenting him in a sense yeah in, yeah. in this they're, they're just sort of also there yeah to an extent not not I, this isn't I'm not condemning the version of Timon and Pumbaa in this at all by saying that it, yeah. it's, it's just a small effect but it it makes you wonder that it's kind of the only effect that adding those extra characters has so yeah. you wonder why they didn't think that was a problem and do something I, well for them to figure that out they would have had to figure out that anything was a problem with the original yeah. lion king and they didn't either they, they didn't or someone told them they weren't allowed to yeah that's a question mark yeah but as certainly as i was watching it the fact that it was almost exact shot for shot yeah on the one hand in the first door in the art door that is good because yep. it's like it's like dlc for the lion king it's a filter <laughs> exactly, you, put it yeah. and you get to watch it in this new way it's big head mode yeah you know? <laughs> but on the other side though i was watching it and i was realizing or, or feeling that the lion king must be perfect <laughs> yeah because they've had the opportunity here to do something to it and they've not and it must be because you can't so all they did was they gave them the same lines to say and unfortunately I felt that part of the direction of this film was we do everything exactly the same yeah. but we have to always make it clear we're not yeah. so say this line differently say that line differently and most of the time I was sitting there going that's not as good. Yeah, mm, that that same. delivery doesn't make as much sense. Most yeah. and you story most works. obviously see this with the person who's in both films, James Earl Jones. Yeah, yeah. there is not yeah. a single line reading he gives in the 2019 film that he's not worse. Yeah. than the line, yeah. the equivalent it's line not, reading. It's he gave. not this. It's not to this extent. I'm going to be parodying it a little bit, but it's like saying everything the light touches is our kingdom yeah. it's a bit like that all the way through yeah, yeah it is it is it's very strange um to me it sounded very flat and yeah. i don't necessarily blame the actors for that yeah. i just think that they could have gotten better takes because yeah. so much of the emotion is lost like, in those lines one of the ones like one i just picked out again because it's james earl jones and we have like for like yeah. reading yes when Scar comes and tells him that Simba is in the gorge, uh, yeah. in the original, it's like, Simba! Yeah. In the new one, it's like, Simba? Uh, oh, Simba? <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah. Oh, yes, my son! One that, honestly, this is a weird one, but the one that stood out to me was when him and baby Simba are rolling around and playing. Not in the big rolling around playing, when he's just morning reported and he's just jumped on Zazu. Yeah. And Mufasa says, that's very good. That's in the original, right? Yep. He says that's very good with a little laugh. <laughs> and that's in this very one, good. And well, in no, this yeah. one, it was just sort of that's very good. It was less 
fun. The love was less between yeah. them when he said it. For me, it was that scene, but it's because no one messes with your dad. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that's supposed to be a yes. lead into he's gonna tackle him and, and play yeah. with him. Yeah, we're gonna and have some rough housing yeah, now. It's yeah. like that's because nobody messes with your dad. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Right? Yeah, no. yeah. I'm just like, come on, where's the... Yeah, uh, yeah, I completely agree with that, yeah. that yeah. All the way through that, to mm-hmm. me. And that, I think, leads itself into why I think a lot of people are feeling like there's not as much emotion here. It's That's not exactly it. Because yeah. of the carry It's through. not it's... because of the animals. Yeah. yeah. It's because of the line reads. Yep. Yeah. A lot of Disney remake cast members sometimes feel like they're a bit straight-jacketed by the original role. The... That's what this felt like. It felt like yeah. they'd been asked, don't just say what they say in The Lion King. Come up with your own thing. And yeah. they didn't really have anything better because the other... Because the original one was extremely precise. All of the emotion you want out of that line is already in that line. But also, they're not changing the situations at all. So it becomes almost like the anime dubbing principle. It's like, say what you want, but these are the lip flaps. Act as much as you want within those pre-prescribed lip flaps. Didn't it feel weird when, at various points in the film, they were coming up with their own new lines, but then they still had to then say something from the film, like, talk about your fixer-upper. And yeah. you're like, you didn't have to say that. You were already, you'd already covered it. Yeah, you were riffing in a different direction, yeah. and then it felt like you were just dragged forcibly back yeah. to the neutral point of yeah, but but still the original movie though. Yeah, that was one of the things we did like about Aladdin. Yes, those actors were free to roam as far as they wanted and, with and those characters. The actors and presumably the script, like at every stage, it felt yeah. like they went, "How do we do the same jokes?" Technically, but yeah. we just go like, "Well, no one wants to hear literally the same jokes." So you have the exact same scene where the genie ha- has to become a designer and give him his new costume. Yeah. But it was new jokes about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in this, whenever they did the same jokes, yeah, it felt really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think that straight jacketing effect meant that one of the key problems with the film is I found it really struggled to be funny. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Like it really yeah, did. Oh yeah. mm-hmm. I smiled a couple of times but I saw, I saw feel like they were sympathetic. Yeah, same. Mm, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like it was a sort I was smiling. Oh, I see what you're trying to do. Yeah, it was a sort of good job, guys. Yeah. I think there was one I don't know what it was. I think it was one thing I sort of went <laughs> and I meant it. And then Yeah. I remember how much we were laughing at Aladdin. Yeah. Like, we laughed at jokes in Aladdin. Yeah. We thought they were legitimately funny. And There was a, a change that I did quite like uh, that I felt actually helped the pacing of the scene. Oh. Um, where um, Timon and Pumbaa are singing in the jungle. Yeah. And they make, they really draw the viewer into that and then that's when Nala hits. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. funny. I, that like, was I was, My problem with that was I was feeling this creeping sense of impatience during the scene yeah. prior to that. Yeah. So, like... I think it was funnier in retrospect than it was when I was watching it at the time because I was thinking like, oh, come on. As I was sitting watching it, I was thinking that I wasn't going to say this because I felt kind of unkind. But like, in the second half, yeah, I got bored a few times. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I think and I, I know didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. Because mm, I'm not bored with bored. The Lion King when I'm watching The Lion King and mm. it was the same. Well, I think the what, one of the key problems is, like I just said about the whole second act problem mm-hmm. of The Lion King. Yeah. yeah. They didn't solve that. They made the act of the Lion King where nothing happens and it's very inconsequential. They did nothing to repair it. They just added bits to it. So now there is the dung montage. Like, so you know, the the hair-floating montage. Right, now I didn't hate that. I'll defend that because, yeah, I heard before we were going in that the replacement for the the famous sex moment was that, um, (laughs) (laughs) from The Lion King, was that it's a bit of his hair and then there's a two-minute montage about giraffe dung. 
and there yeah. was and I saw that as a tweet yeah. said like that to make yeah. it sound as bad as possible so I was like here we go when yeah. it was like but I did like it because because what they were doing was they were reaffirming the circle of life yeah, idea, weren't, yeah. weren't they? And so, that, that's good. I no, yeah. like that. I felt like that was writing to seem yeah. a, lot, yeah. a lot closer. So we got, and it was a piece of Simba. It wasn't a feather. Yeah. yeah. I did like the strengthening of the theme of like the interconnectedness yeah. of life and the fact that life exists in a precarious balance and if you mess with it, or if you act selfishly, then yeah. you'll screw it all Unfortunately, up. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's something that in the Jungle Booky one we were imagining could have been reinforced throughout and instead it was almost like they just plopped in a little separate piece about reinforcing that theme yeah the rest of the time the changes they made were just things like Simba doesn't like being called a cub now yeah (laughs) speaking of inexplicable changes yeah can you feel (laughs) the love at three in the afternoon yeah I think we need to deal with the music separately but Jesus like you know I think we said this on the way out it makes as much sense as saying a whole new world in a car. Yeah. The lyrics are all about yeah. the night. The peace the afternoon brings. Yeah. We'll come back to the music, because that's a separate issue yeah. that we do need to deal with in isolation. Yeah. But... In your Fendi. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop talking about The Lion King 2. Um, <laughs> really upsetting me. Genuine troll. Yeah. But yeah, all that stuff that came in the part of the film that need the most changes... Yeah. It was just extra business. It was business. That's what it was. I know that that had thematic weight, but it didn't help the problems with that act, nor did stretching out the lion sleeps tonight scene, nor did that scene where it's like, oh, now we'll show Nala leaving. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I wanted to touch on that, that these changes that they're making are not really in service to what they could have been in service to. Yeah. Which I really feel like, wow, they did not do as much with Nala here as the stage play did. We wanted to bring up the stage show because when you were talking before about the idea of is the Lion King so perfect that they that Disney can't bring themselves to make changes to it? Yeah. That's insanity. Because this is one of this is the only the only Disney film where the stage adaptation is just as iconic yeah. as mm-hmm. the film itself. Yeah. The stage show is a mega musical in the yeah. way that the movie is a mega blockbuster. Yeah. It's one of the longest running shows of all time and if they're afraid with Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or whatever whatever to introduce stuff from the stage show because they think well people won't like mm. us bringing these changes they won't know where these changes came from. The Lion King's the one where you could have done that and the Lion King's the one that makes the most effort to fix problems that's with the original yeah. yep. so stuff that they do in the stage show that they it doesn't have to be the same as what they do in the stage show but mm-hmm. that they have fixed that we wanted them to fix here Nala has a point yeah. in a character you get to see more about what's going on in Scar's head and, and like what, what's happening with him Yeah. and also the Timon and Pumbaa act is expanded in a way that, that yeah. feels organic and makes yeah. sense act 2 so to speak of the stage show is fine it's the right length Mm -hmm. It feels like it's eventful. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's character progression during it. And they took all that out. Yeah. And didn't do anything to replace it with. And like, it felt. It's there and written and ready. And and super famous. Yeah. And did you notice at the end, executive producers, Julie Taymor and Tom Schumacher, who made the stage show. So they were like. They were there. It's their film. Yeah. And. Yeah, like, I feel like the scene where Nala sneaks off to leave is almost like lip service. That's it. Yeah. I felt like they were doing a lot of stuff in that section of the film that they thought 
was achieving the same effect, but it absolutely wasn't. Yeah, I suppose it does serve to give an image of Anala who has a little bit more agency. Yeah, but like five percent more agency. Yeah, not, you know? not much more. Yeah. I suppose I'll tell you what what I will give it is that I did feel the sense more than in the original of them all being afraid of Scar and having to Yeah. You know, yeah. the fact that she was literally having to tiptoe around so that he didn't even find out she and was I going anywhere. They better explained what it is about Scar's reign that yeah. screws everything up. The yeah. fact that he's over hunting, the fact that he's yeah. That's from the show. That's from the madness of King Scar. We've been forced to overhunt is the line. Yeah. So that that one line is as far as I can think all they've taken from the station yeah. but I think they actually built it out well in terms yeah. of there's an ideological reason why he's yep. doing it sure because I mean hey as a kid I always wondered like why does the environment get all messed up when, yeah. when Scar yeah. takes the head of the pride like, I know yeah he's, he's just it, just felt, it felt like bad luck right, and he's not know? like Exxon or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> and you thought that and everyone thought that and that's yeah. why they fixed it for the stage show and yeah. it's basically they did with the stage shows an early version of what they're doing now which is this like is there anything missing yeah. that we just take for granted and this they kind of just sort of decided to not really bother and yeah I did like the scene though where um Sarabi speaks to Scar and he's mm-hmm. he's offering her like come on come come be my queen and accept this it'll be better for you and That's she's all right. just like yeah. no Yep. I liked that. It was a nice change, but it wasn't enough. And I wouldn't take it over anything that they did that was equivalent in the show. Yes, agreed. My biggest problem with some of that stuff, though, is I felt like adding those bits in, it actually ended up weakening some of the stuff that was already in that part of the film. Some of that stuff started crowding out stuff that was already native to that section of the film. Like the romance between Simba and Nala. It's not great in the original, but it's nothing here. You know what? When you said that sentence then, that was when I remembered there is one. Yeah. Like, (laughs) this film slipped it under the radar. Yeah. Completely. Including while they were doing a love song. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was was sort of going like, why are they having a love song now? Yeah. Whereas I... I, they etch it real quickly in the original, but I get it. Because because yeah. it's a 90s Disney cartoon. Everything's at breakneck speed. The kind of film they're making here, yeah. which presents itself as a slow and gentle nature documentary where things naturally unfold. Yeah. Who are you hurting by putting in 10 extra minutes to develop their relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's right. all it would have taken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that, like... I don't remember what the actress who played Nala in the original was called. No, me neither. Uh, I think it's Moira Kelly. Oh, Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And then she was in the West Wing, wasn't she? Oh, was she? Okay. Yes. Well, Osnala. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> They're in continuity. Yeah. Okay. I felt like she did a lot with a little in the original movie. Mm. Like she injects a certain sense of tenderness into a lot of the line reads that carry a lot of weight. Tenderness yeah. and desperation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look, I, <laughs> I don't know how okay it is that I say this. Right. But like, I think Beyonce has specific functions. I don't really feel like any of them come to fruition in this film. No, before we went in, yeah, I was saying if there was one thing I was completely confident about in this film, yeah. it's that Nala will be an extremely beefed up part yeah. because they've hired Beyonce, and you don't hire Beyonce and then do nothing. Yeah. Well, they did. Yeah, yep, they did. She's almost got two lines in the film. That's it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she... I was... Uh, for one thing, I was waiting for her to do a song. Oh, and then God. When, yeah. that, when I hadn't listened to it ahead of time, Spirit, yeah. I just knew it existed. Yeah. And when it's essentially just a musical montage insert... Yeah. Yeah. Not song in character. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, and it was... That song, I mean... 
it's just so stylistically different. Uh, odds with everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. The, like, why didn't they put that Libo M like so this is the thing. Yeah. Thing I knew in. going in because I'd seen this ahead of time that he had re-recorded He Lives in You for this film in Zulu and YouTube comments inform me it may also contain Is it closer? And I was just so that, That's a song from the stage show if you don't know. It's a song from the stage show but it goes further back. Yeah, it does, it's yeah. From, he, he wrote it for Rhythm of the Pride Lands which is like his... I don't know why he was even allowed to do this but I'm glad he was. Brilliant sequel album to the soundtrack of The Lion King. Yeah. Then it went into the stage show and then it ended up in Lion King 2. So it's one of the iconic like Lion King... Extended songs, universe yeah, yeah. songs, and it's like this... the Grand Admiral Thrawn <laughs> yeah. of the Lion King. But this version, which they play in the end, cre- I was waiting for it to appear in the film in roughly the place where the song does in the stage mm. show, but it didn't. All right, and then it played in the credits, and what we realised listening to it and everything about just the orchestration of it and how it sounds, it is the perfect drop-in for that scene. If you're going to drop something in, the rest of the time they they slavishly adhere to the original soundtrack and what it did at every beat, but. If you're going to change it, that version of that song would have been great yep. in that moment. What we got instead was a very generic sounding Beyonce Super song. Super generic Beyonce Pop song. song yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really weird. Very little was done to make it fit. It had a bit of an African flavour to I it. Guess, yeah. Like, yeah. It's not the first time her music has done. And and the lyrics didn't feel like they have anything, had very no, much to do with it. It wasn't about moment. anything. No. no. It was just like a normal pop song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It may as well have been all the single ladies. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, but this is... this is. Have you heard the album version of that, by the way? All the single, all the single ladies. Yeah, it's just called All the Album Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> really came up with that joke some decades too late, didn't I? <laughs> but it's so good. It's good. That's really good. Yeah. Really, really good. <laughs> I absolutely lost my train of thought. Sorry. I don't have anything else to say about Spirit. No. It's just nothing. It's nothing. It's a big puff of air. It's nothing. But to be honest, I kind of thought that about her in the whole film. Yeah. Like, she is miscast, I think. Yeah. Like Because anyone could have done this. Yeah, it's and a criminal misuse of her. Yeah. yeah. It is. They picked someone who has a very well-known set of abilities. Yeah. And acting is one of those abilities. She's been in films. Yeah. She, I've not seen any of them. I don't know how good I mean, she is. I've actually lost in powers in Goldmember. And she yeah. was, but she, she was good in that. But she was in Dreamgirls, which is a movie musical. Correct, yeah. yeah. So presu- And I haven't seen it, but yeah. people say it's fine. Yeah. All good. Mm. So presumably, she can do this kind of acting. And they just didn't give her anything new to do. Yeah. Nothing. Literally nothing. It, do- it genuinely yeah. boggles. This makes no sense. Out of everything in this yeah. film, that makes no sense. Because anyone off the street could have played this part. And that's the thing, though. I don't even feel like it's in her skill set, per se, to do a lot with a little in the way mm-hmm. that Moira Kelly did. Yeah. Like, Beyoncé's a very commanding sort of presence. Like, that's her whole thing. But I didn't feel it here. I thought no. Moira Kelly was more commanding in the, you know, when she's disappointed with him and so on. Totally. Absolutely. But that's the thing, though. Like, Beyoncé's commanding in a diva way. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not Nala's character. Nala's, like, quite a quiet tender level headed right so the solution to that is that you rewrite the character and make yeah. her more Beyonce make her stand up to Skyrim more look she does in the stage show yeah. but, <laughs> but they didn't yeah yeah. and also because of that lack of anchoring to the actual performance of the role I didn't even like her on Can You Feel the Love Tonight no Beyonce is a fantastic singer mm-hmm. yes but I don't see her as a musical theatre person and again I've not watched Dreamgirls I don't no. know if she does it but be- Dreamgirls is, is about, about a group yeah. yeah 
I did not, in any sense, when she was singing her part on Can You Feel Love Tonight, feel as though she was singing that. No, it was... No, and especially... And I'm not saying they should have done this. They shouldn't. But because they weren't moving their mouths, because they weren't singing it in the film, because they don't in The Lion King, it just felt like the Beyonce version of this song was playing over the film. Exactly. Because it's a voice we know. It doesn't feel like an internal monologue at all. Yeah. Yeah. That was not Nala singing. That no. was Beyonce that Knowles. Was Beno- Beyonce Knowles, a yeah. very recognisable voice who they did nothing to make yeah. a part of the lion. Yeah, yeah, she was not playing Nala during that song yeah. at all. Mm. And she was doing all of that vocal gymnastics yeah. in and around the notes and stuff like that in a way that absolutely undermined yeah. the sentiment that it yeah. was supposed to and convey. And the gentle like, harmonies that they do. And- yeah, yeah, like the, the line... <laughs> that I'm thinking of where I especially noticed that is the bit where she sings that he's holding back he's hiding Mm, and what I can't decide which is an acting moment yes and it's just she hits every note and she hits every note beautifully no disrespect to the technical ability of this this woman this is a recording that absolutely (laughs) to make and put on the album great idea Yeah. yeah But in that moment in the film, it is so flat. And I felt like yeah. Beyonce... Emotionally flat. Yeah, emotionally flat. Yeah. And I felt like Beyonce's voice acting above them all was the flattest. Yeah. yeah. You'd have got the same effect if you cast Celine Dion in that part. Uh, yeah. You know See, what I, I mean? Now, I don't know much about the music of Beyonce Knowles. I really have only heard it when it comes on in general life. Yeah. I'm not someone who knows her work in and out. Yeah. But I, my main feeling while that scene was on was like, holy crap! Beyonce's singing Can You Feel the Love Tonight in The Lion King. Yeah. That undermines the moment. That takes you out because your response is like, whoa, Beyonce is singing this. Yeah. And that is... There's almost no one that that isn't going to happen to who would have consented to see this film in the first place. Like, it it wouldn't happen to my dad. Yeah. But nearly anyone watching this film is going to go like, whoa, this is a moment. Beyonce is singing the song from the cartoon I had on video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that and that's not nothing. That is a that's a, an experience worth going through, but it's yeah. one that fully removes you from the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Something that we discussed as the credits started rolling and that bizarre Elton song, <laughs> yes. song came on was that okay, so Beyonce's song Spirit should have been that credit song. The yep. first credit song. The first song. credit yeah. song. Yeah. The Le Boheme uh, Isizulu song should have been the insert into the, in the, the travel yeah. Uh, yeah. montage. And that bizarre Elton John song. There was nothing that to do with the line. Nothing to do with yeah. anything. Yeah. Should have been the second credit song or just not, <laughs> not in the film. Yeah. Again, you know, to reuse the same format of thing I already said, they may as well have played Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Or like Crocodile Rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that would have actually been relevant. They yeah. should have put that in, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, Beyonce isn't doing it. She's not doing anything wrong. It's just that she's she's got nothing to do, and she's therefore Beyonce, yeah. a, a weird beacon sticking out of the film. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, you say like, oh, this should be a moment. Oh, Beyonce singing that song. But like, when I was watching Will Smith. Mm. In Aladdin yeah. singing Friend Like Me. Yeah. It was like, on one level, it's like, Will, oh wow, Will Smith singing Friend Like Me. But it was also like, oh, it's the genie. Yeah. It, it's yeah. this film's version it of was, the genie. Yeah. Because that version's genie was styled after Will Smith. Yeah. And this version's Nala was styled after Nala, which yeah. is nothing. And they hired one of the biggest stars in yeah. the universe to play that. <laughs> yeah. To play the nothing. To play nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, whereas I do. It's like if they hired her for the Super Bowl to play the spoons. (laughs) 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 Actually, no, that would be epic. Okay. (laughs) Take it back. Okay, how about this? It's like if Beyonce was in the Super Bowl halftime as a background dancer. That's what this is. And that's what Nala is. And everyone can see her and they're going, is that Beyonce? Yeah. But she never gets to do anything. They really just needed to retool Nala. Nala as a role because, like, Nala. Beyond a disconcertingly sexual expression, <laughs> is nothing yeah. by Disney heroine yeah, there's a standards huge, of that era. Huge scope to put stuff into that yeah, character, like without taking anything away from the original. Nobody would have said, "Oh, you've spoiled it." Yeah, because there's nothing to spoil. Yeah, she's there to tell him you're not as great as you think you are. Yeah, and then she's there to tell him, "Hey, go home and take responsibility because we need you." And they're all things that the film is wanting to tell Simba. Yeah, or what? Or the, yeah. what you know, she may as well be a narrator. Yeah, like yeah, she's just a device. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas if you take a powerful performer and you put them in the role of someone who is all about the responsibility, you better book up and take. Yeah. There's so much room to get that done. Yeah. Because I'd read in advance that they'd fleshed the role out with the thing that she does with Shenzi, where there's a little bit more of a specific rivalry between her and Shenzi, and Shenzi being the kind of the leader of the hyenas this time. But it's really only two scenes. That's encompassed in like one shot. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's you. Yeah. Ah, yes, it's you. I've looked forward to fighting you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just. Again, it's it's nothing. It doesn't do anything to the character particularly. No, what it does is it puts a thing down that makes you think, why didn't they do anything with this? It's a it's so all all the things added to this film are so small that you feel like they're the thing that they should have put on the brainstorming page in the roundtable discussion yeah. when they started developing this film. Yeah, and then the, and then it's what do we do with it? Yeah, but, but they never do. They just put the idea down and then say like, wouldn't it be cool if this? But we're not. Yeah, it's just. It's so weird as well after, like, we just watched them do what we thought was a really great job developing Jasmine. I'll take a role where it sort of feels like what they want to do with this role is bursting beyond the seams of Mm. what they're able to fit into the box that they're trying to fit it into versus what they've done here where it's just like, just slap Beyonce on it and call it a day. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's not good enough. When you've got a great blueprint for it, in the universally beloved stage show yeah, yeah. that you all so made as famous yeah uh, maybe not the actual specific contents because not everyone's seen it but yeah. its existence is as famous yeah and if they put stuff from it in this film yeah. everyone would immediately accept it remember how in the lead up to this and certainly when Beyonce was cast yeah. we were all like oh what if she gets to sing Shadowland yeah. from the stage show And wouldn't that be awesome? But, look, that's probably not going to happen, but they'll give her another song yeah. that's probably just as big. Yeah. <laughs> I did not see in a million years coming God, what, no. what they did here. No! No. I was absolutely under the same impression, too, yeah. that if they've got Beyonce, they're going to use her. Especially yeah. since they told us they are. A lot was yeah. made out of the fact that this spirit song exists and yeah. she has a song in it. And it's not even like they play it over a montage. They play what feels like the middle of it. Yeah. It just it feels like they're just telling us it exists and then moving on as quickly as they possibly can. Yeah. It's not even a son of man or something. No. It's 
It's not even a montage. They run. They do. They run from one side of the screen to the other, and then it stops. Yeah. God, it's so weird. It really yeah. took me out of it. It did. Yeah. I came on. I was just like, "What is this?" I was having trouble. I don't think I ever quite made it back into the film after that. So we've talked about Beyonce. Yeah. Oh, I wanted what? to mention and Mufasa. The, the, Sorry, go on. the kid Simba. Yeah. Is actually all right. Yeah. I think okay. he's pretty good. I think he does. He does a. A completely on par job as Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, I'm going to say just as good, maybe better in some bits. Maybe better in some bits. Uh, He's the exception where the different line reads I've found were were yeah good. I thought he handled the death of yeah the death scene really well. Yeah, for example, and he had a lot to handle because although we agree those were perfectly expressive animals, they knew people would struggle there, and for that as the big emotional moment for that particular animal, knowing they couldn't do big crying eyes on him and so on. That kid had a lot to carry. And yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I do think that scene yeah, generally that scene worked, worked, and I think that it was, and you know, a lot was to the credit of the kid. Yeah, and I'd heard that they screwed that up. I'd I'd heard that they really dropped the ball on the death scene, and I didn't think. They I didn't no, think that I, either. I, I don't think. So I think, either. in retrospect, what they meant by that was that because um, there was a somebody filmed it on their phone and, and uploaded it, but it was I think it was just the long live the king, and I think they were talking about the fact that he doesn't do it in a big pantomime whisper and just kind of goes long live the king. Yeah, but it's the fact that that had been set up earlier it was a callback and then he gets his eye yeah mm-hmm. the one bit that I you know when they did slightly ultra line I did enjoy you know I yeah. would never dream of challenging you again, again. Yeah, yes. yeah and you go oh cool I've just been told loads of story in one word brilliant yeah, yeah. What, what generally was your view on Chiwetel Ejiofor is Scar fairly neutral um, I have nothing to say I, I quite liked I him I liked him yeah. he I, was one of the ones on the top end yeah. of like what Same. I liked just yeah. sounded like an angry man to me and I've absolutely no notes as to how he could have played angry man better yeah but um, I think he just has a really good timber to his voice yeah for that he had the right tone of voice yeah. yeah it wasn't like he was like playing a famous Disney villain with like a high reedy unimpressive yeah. voice that just sounded like some guy from accounting <laughs> say I'm glad that they wouldn't do that with Never one of their most iconic no. Disney villains or no. anything like that and you know turn a famously impressive <laughs> Andreas Deja animated uh, Disney villain into a complete joke of a man I'm just saying that. Yeah. That's all I'm Jahan saying. Jahan encompasses the entirety of the Stan Jafar Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't. <laughs> but between... Well, what I mean is that you represent... The oh, I re- yeah, oh, yeah, I speak for them. Yeah. Just... Between these two films, though, I, I do wonder whether to accuse it of being the not-gay version of these characters, <laughs> or whether to acknowledge that they would get in trouble if they gay-coded their villains all over again. And that's yeah. why they've done... They've well, decampified. Back. I don't feel like they completely removed that theatricality from him this time. It's just, yeah. it's a lot angrier, like you say, and it's a lot more, you know, the hostility is a lot less disguised. Yes, but I didn't have a problem with that because, yeah. because yes, of course I miss Camp Scar, just like I miss Camp Jafar, but... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I've loved Camp Jafar as well. It was, it was a wonderful it was a summer. summer. summer I spent. <laughs> um, yeah, um... Hello, this... mother. <laughs> But it wouldn't have worked in the realistic setting, so it yeah. makes would have worked in Aladdin. Yes, but it wouldn't have worked in this. Yeah, this version of Scar is a lot more bitter than he is conniving, and that's just a different interpretation of the same yeah. character that I think is equally as valid. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, I liked him. I actively did yeah. like him. He was one of the ones where 
he was reading all the lines differently, but I didn't think they were worse. I say. did, but in... not like so much worse that I was taken no. out of it. But I had the problem early on where when you first really are going like, oh, they're literally going to say the same script. Yeah. And it's him and Mufasa talking early on, the gene pool scene. Yeah. In that bit, I was kind of going, okay, well, so I know all these lines. Is it that I know these lines like a song? Yeah. So I'm going like, well, you said that in a less effective way. Yeah. Is it purely because I know how to sing those lines? Or is it because they are correctly read in the original film and differently read here, and so they're necessarily yeah. not as effective? But I didn't find him to be an offender, like, oh, he's screwing them up in any, in any particular way. It was just the fact of the fact that they were doing that. Yeah. I personally struggle a lot with covers of songs that mm. I really like or that I very familiar with right. and i think that maybe some of that is at play here oh yeah for all yeah. of us oh, I definitely think. Yeah. for the audience yeah. at, at large I but think. they're asking for it though yeah they you are know? they're they're asking for it by inviting the comparison yep. by saying here's this very nearly identical script say it differently yes i was thinking about this all the way through and i was i was trying to examine and trying to be honest like how much of this is me but i have never had a problem with the stage version and yeah. and yeah, that goes yeah. so i'm so it's not just different people saying the same lines that's not the problem it's not necessarily that they're saying them differently it's how precisely chiseled the original film was i don't think it's arguably yeah maybe the first time they'd really done that chiseling to that degree because oh, yeah. little mermaid's a bit slapdash beauty and the beast was very good but a little bit improvisational maybe almost, yeah. mm. lion king everything had weight in yeah. it Apart from the bits that were silly, obviously, but it just feels so careful. And I never thought that until I saw this and saw what happens if you approach it differently and you try and chisel those lines out in a different way. And well, like, keeping oh, it, the, the basic shape of it exactly yeah. the same. Mm. Yeah, because they got the perfect takes of those lines. Mm. And so reading them any other way yeah, is exactly an it. imperfect take. I wish I could remember because if, if I had a way of writing down notes, because there were certain lines where I was watching it where I'm like, Saying it differently genuinely takes away from the meaning of this line. And yeah. unfortunately, right now, I can't remember what lines yeah. they were. There were a couple of shot for shots, actually, that I felt like that about. Really. When Simba's about to get a bollocking from Mufasa after going yeah. to the graveyard. Yeah. And his little paw steps in the big mm. paw print. Mm -hmm. For me, that shot didn't linger as long as I think it should have. Right. Because that shot communicated that Simba now realizes how arrogant he's been and yeah. that boy he yeah. really has a long way to go yeah. before he's going to be anything like his dad. <laughs> I felt like that shot was in there but it just wasn't maybe framed the right way. It just, something about it was missing. I didn't feel like this was a film that was generally guilty of that thing that you do sometimes see where you're just copying the shot, but you clearly don't have the same understanding of why it was there. Yeah, it wasn't a Watchmen, was it? No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It wasn't like that. I did feel like they independently understood it, but yeah. they just weren't as effective as in communicating it as the some original was the, yeah, a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Some of the time they were, and on those yeah. occasions, I didn't register an opinion because it was fine. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, something about the realistic uh, prison of this does mean that those things can wash over you when they get it right it's it's less we said earlier it's less obvious yeah so there were loads of moments when they did get it right there were some moments where they made a different decision that i didn't understand like why didn't they do the iconic reveal of pride rock they yeah. didn't fly over that hill and have it push with the moment in the film they just panned over to it yeah that was weird that was weird that wasn't it weird, when yeah. they were doing that the only thing shot wrong for shot. Yeah. yeah only thing that was 
different, not not just wrong, different from the Circle of Life original version. Yeah. So, oh no, it's, it was one of two things. The other one was Rafiki didn't stand up to present Baby Simba because doesn't he kind of stretch? Whereas he, he does. Was just sort like, of sat down with a real. That's a mandrill, isn't it's it? A mandrill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I thought. Presumably that is because you can't stretch a mandrill in real life out further yeah. than that. Would it be able to without stand it falling like over? That? Well, as I'm sure you've noticed in the film, um, mandrills don't have tails like right. Rafiki. Like, right. Rafiki in the right. animated film seems to that. be a weird mishmash of an olive baboon and a mandrill. Yeah. Right. When you take that tail away, it does change the way that your character balances. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I understand what you mean about lifting him up and pushing up from the chest. I think it's slightly. I think it reduced that moment, especially since again mm. that happens on the big beat of the music. Yeah. But I it's, get why they did it. It's also a really powerful silhouette. Uh, yeah. as well like, yeah. it's a really powerful line of motion that exactly and so to and, it, and it's the most famous image from the film yeah so to instead have him essentially be just sat there and go, <laughs> yeah. there you go it, yeah. it, and, and having seen so many versions of that not just on stage but like parodies and everything everyone knows that image but I get why they did it I don't get why they took out that Pride Rock review yeah. they just mm. panned across and my I, I was trying to figure it out while I was there and, and I thought like well maybe Zazu wouldn't be able to cover that distance at that speed in which case, we just we just assume you've cut to slightly later. It's fine. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. That's the thing. I don't know why they did that. There'll be a reason. I'm inter- genuinely, I'm interested to find out what that reason is because they'll everything else was identically precise. That whole circle of like the first few moments of the film was such a showcase for the concept of what this is because it yeah. all looked a completely naturalistic, totally real nature yeah. documentary. But b every step of every toe was precisely correct to the animated version so it actually elevated that lagging bird with with elephants so it actually elevated the animated version because you're like holy crap they must have got it so right then that you can do this and not change anything really my only uh, criticism that I had that was accurate to the original was that I thought those elephants didn't look heavy enough as they were walking towards the camera in that big walk towards the camera moment it was less boof and more like um, dum dum. That's actually a complaint I had. Honest, one uh, actually a quite pivotal complaint. I didn't feel like the stampede scene mm. felt even half as dangerous no. as the mm. animated one. Yeah, I understand what you mean. The news don't feel as if they have as much heft. No, if, yeah. like in the original film, that feels like a uh, unstoppable river of death. Yeah, that yeah. stampede. It's just a wall of these yeah. things. I do feel like the. Dedication to realism sometimes took out some of just the visceral nature of some of the scenes uh-huh. because they were trying to tether everything to kind of like realistic physics and staging, yeah. which meant that there were just quite a few scenes that lacked a lot of punch, I thought. like Which is fine. So what you do is you improve them by having something slightly different happen. Yeah. In the stampede, have some of them start to fall down the, the cliff and bang into each other and it creates a... They did. Yeah. Um, oh, they I did. did? I did notice a couple of news um, oh, okay. getting herded in and like, you know, tripping. And honestly, I mean, this is kind of brutal, but it would have been good if they'd had some of the news fall down the cliff and like not get up. Yeah, yeah. Like, be having them trample each yeah. other. Like, yeah. you know, like, because you that know. would establish the stakes. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I felt the same about like the scene where the hyenas chase him off the cliff. Mm. I felt that was very perfunctory in this. Sorry, you have to remind me what bit. You know, after Scars told him to run away, oh, and I he hate that the bit. That's that was my first bit where I'm like, I don't like this bit because we'd had the we, this was the big emotional moment, and I thought they nailed that. I was fine with that. Yeah. And then you get these two idiots riffing 
yeah. as they look over the cliff. Not only saying stuff that wasn't funny when it was supposed to be, doing yeah. the like, oh, don't stand so close to me, but also just character-wise, it didn't make sense. What was all that stuff about? Like, well, we won't eat him. We'll go and say we ate him. Yeah, I'm like, what? Eat him? Why not? What's yeah, why this? don't you just go down? Yeah, yeah. They didn't. They didn't do enough to explain that. Well, it's because there's a bunch of brambles down there. That's right. In the original, they physically couldn't get down there yeah. when yeah. Simba. Yeah. When Simba wouldn't have deliberately, but he had. Yeah. They couldn't chase him. Yeah. I didn't feel any reason like why he, they he fell into a chase him in this. Yeah, exactly. One. He fell into a load of brambles. One of them went in there, got prickled yeah. all to hell, and then had to come and back out. And the other two out. were just like, never yeah, mind like, that. Yeah, never mind. Forget that because yeah. he's small enough to get through. Yeah, it's it. not it's it's mm. it's not my job's worth to bother with this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and then they explained to themselves like, look, he's going out into the yeah. desert. He'll die out there. Yeah. And if he comes back, we'll kill him. Yeah. Whereas here, it's just like, I can't be asked going down that yeah. cliff. We'll just say he's dead. Yeah, and it's even presented yeah. like a plan, isn't it? It, yeah. it? it sounds like they're conniving, like, ah, we won't go and eat him, but we'll tell Shenzi that we did eat him. Yeah. And you go, w- w- it wasn't Why just me. Why are you showing this much concern? You're supposed to be going, right. ah, you I thought, die anyway. Yeah, because yeah. I thought that yeah. what it was going to be was, because we are actually hedging our bets and we don't want to eat the son of the of the remaining queen, yeah. like, mm-hmm. they're actually, there's reasons not to do that. But they no, didn't say it was. That. Just, yeah, that's what I thought they were gonna go on to say, but they didn't. It was nothing. It turned such a like big pivotal moment of the film into like just this arbitrary little gag scene. Yeah, and not yeah. even a funny gag. Do you know what I've just said? The queen. What about Simba, the rightful king? If they'd have said something like, "Well, he's the king. Let's yeah. not eat him." Yeah. Okay, that would have sold it to me. But instead, it just seemed like one of them just didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, it was just. And yeah. then the other one who did went, okay, suits me. Yeah, off we go. Yeah. Like, to be honest, just in general, it's the two doors thing. Yeah. I do feel like this film justifies itself artistically yes. in, as a as an enterprise, as a thing to attempt, as a thing to, like, make as a piece of art. Yep. But not as a story. No. Not as a storytelling exercise no. in the slightest. As a storytelling exercise, it is 100% pointless. You know, look, we've touched on a few of the songs. Yeah. As a general rule, what was your impression of what they did here? I've got one overarching compliment I want to give. Oh, yeah? Um, and and then one overarching completely neutral statement. The neutral statement is, oh, they were fine. Yeah. I didn't find them to deviate from the originals in a way that particularly offended or me or stood out. No. Here's the compliment that I want to pay, though, and this is a big one. I did not detect any autotune anywhere in the film. No. Mm, no, me and not not even on Seth Rogen, who was no. crying out for some water. Yeah, uh. but it's all right because it's Pumba and it's like yeah. part of you know. But still, though, he is tone deaf on a level that I yeah. that I I've not yeah. like heard before. That was really weird. The only real singing we really get out of Pumba is like when I was a young, and it's yeah. it's not meant to be good. Yeah. So yeah. I guess they just let that happen. But I think that was genuine tone deafness on the part of Seth Rogen. I don't think that yeah. can be put. No, on you can't fake that. that. No, Look, it's fair. He's not a singer I think yeah but I've never heard someone that tone deaf be asked to, to sing, sing professionally I have uh, Pierce once. Brosnan <laughs> no he's not that Pierce Brosnan's voice is horrible sounding but he's able to approximate the notes Seth Rogen's just not even in the ballpark <laughs> of what those notes are supposed to be I don't know I disagree <laughs> <laughs> But it's a big deal because that was the only thing dragging down the songs in Aladdin. Yeah. 
they were fine and I was happy with and quite excited by the the way they tackled those songs but they were full of autotune yeah. ruinous autotune and it yeah. wasn't fair on the performers yeah in this they just hired people who can sing yeah they with, did with one exception and it was yeah. fine it was great and it sounded great and I'm genuinely I'd think of it as something of a small miracle that they yeah, did yeah that's true it was refreshing to hear yeah. honestly yeah yeah. because with Aladdin I, I took Aladdin as the point at which I finally came to terms with the fact that because uh, Naomi Scott can clearly sing yeah and yet they auto-tuned her so I like know, yeah. clearly I was like oh okay I guess that is just how you produce music today that's just, just what music Hollywood sounds like now, now. Yeah. Hollywood yeah. presumably pop as well I don't listen yeah. to enough of it yeah. I was like Presumably, this is how the kids like their music. Thanks, Owl City. <laughs> they didn't do that here. I did. yeah. If they used autotune, they used the good sort that you can't tell. Yeah. Everyone sounded great. It was, it was fine. It was fine, mostly. Yeah, yeah it was functional. So in a, from a production, from a the soundtrack album standpoint, with yeah. the exception of Can You Feel the Love Tonight and Spirit, just because of how standout beyonce they are and therefore don't fit into what the rest of the film is yeah. doing... I want to. I want to make sure I'm saying that in a way that's not like I don't like Beyonce. That's not what I mean. Yeah, I'm talking about within this environment of realistic. They were not part of the soundtrack of the Lion King. Yeah, yeah. They were just not in keeping with the feeling of everything else. Can you feel love this afternoon? That's a song off. You know, like Disney legends as performed by the big hit. Yeah, and you know, then they'd be like Ed Sheeran singing "Be Our Guest" or something after that. Yeah, like. What did you think of that, by the way? The, oh, uh, the PR guest. I would... got the joke long before they stopped doing it. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Agreed. Same, yeah. Mm. I mean, I guess they had to replace yep. the hula dancing yeah. thing. But with, with not using them bit. as live bait, or with yeah. using them as live bait for real. Like, yeah. I don't know why they tried to do the joke again and came up with something that wasn't funny. This is what we were talking about before. Yeah. It's like, you go like, mm, and then you've politely got the joke for them and That's then it, they yeah. persist with it. I feel bad for Seth Rogen and Billy Agner as Timon and Pumbaa because yeah. I actually think they're quite good. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they they are good Timon and Pumbaa. But they don't really ever say anything funny. No. <laughs> um, so it's a miracle that I ended up feeling broadly positive towards them. Yeah. Even though they're comedy characters who never succeeded in saying anything funny. <laughs> yeah. Just because they're really well cast. Yeah. And they clearly bring the right spirit to it. They're just not funny at all. So that's the production side. I yeah. have different things about the, the songs appearing in the film. Do you, have you got anything production-y first? No, not really. Not production-wise. Right. Like, I did always feel like, even though, like, they were clearly talented singers singing them, again, it was just some of that same sense as with the scripting and the storytelling, that it was just like, don't do it exactly like in the original film. Even if the original film was the exact right way to do it. So even when you get something like Circle of Life, it's just like, can you do it? I know, 5% worse. It was weird to me that I'm pretty sure that's the same recording of Lebo M at the start. You know, him, yeah. him doing his intro. I'm, I'm sure that's the same Sounds recording. Like it, yeah. 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 But the actual singer singing it. No, that was somebody else. And that was, I'm pleased with the casting there. They cast a standout, well-reviewed London Rafiki to sing. Ah, so, nice. Okay. I don't know her name offhand, but, yeah. but that's the case. So look her up. So you've mentioned Just Can't Wait to Be King and what they've got there is something where you cannot do the same staging they did originally because it would make no sense in the live action setting. And Um, with the intentions that you've set out to make this film with, yeah. Yeah. But also, I know the stage version and the stage version is actually quite different from from the film version because they don't do 
do do do do do do do do do they do oh, something right, else okay, yeah. they have something something a bit noisier something a bit more uh, i don't know a, a oh, bit okay. drumsier. I, I didn't remember that from yeah. when we saw it well after we recorded this I'll, I'll pull it up but yeah. it, it is different anyway and it's the reason you don't remember it is because on stage they're talking over it and yeah. it, it's it all kind of flows in but yeah, on the album where you can really hear it, you're like, oh, what's this going to be? It feels like a really weird, different version. So that shouldn't really inform my viewing of this film, but it did in the sense that I was going, wow, this is exactly I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Yeah. And at that point in the film, you're still not many songs in, so you're not like, I'm used to the fact that they're doing all the songs roughly the same. So yeah. it was fine. I didn't... Really... I didn't have a strong opinion on it. No. Really. It was fine. I felt like there was possibly room to make it a bit more colorful um, because and I say this specifically justifying it based off of what you see in the animated film where he's talking to Zazu and everything is normal and then it's and then everything changes to fantasy time and suddenly it's fantasy time now I wondered if they were going to do something about like that the reason I thought they probably wouldn't is presumably the reason they didn't is because Mm. the whole of the film's statement is it is not fantasy time in this film so it would have looked really weird yeah yeah it would have well I mean I feel like they could have done a little bit of a better compromise with that they could have made this is clearly a child's imagination and a child being very exuberant right now but you could have still kept it more grounded yeah. I, I feel like some of the you know the saturation could have been brought exactly. up just, you know yeah, you things bring of that in nature colorful animals at that stage yeah yeah the thing about it is just i didn't feel a lot towards it because it's just ultimately it's again those are the scenes where more than anything i just feel like it's just another reanimation of yeah. the song I've already seen in this format more or less because yeah. here you're not trying to bring a reality to it this is a musical song Yeah. so all I'm doing is seeing you do what you've already done with different graphics yeah. like mm-hmm. so that's why and you know we'll touch upon this when we talk about Beauty and the Beast but it's like why to me even though like look I didn't like any of the songs of Beauty and the Beast but like something like Gaston or Belle in that film was of greater interest to me than what they did with Be Our Guest. Yeah. Because Be Our Guest, it's just another, it's an yeah. animated sequence. It's a dreamland show that's yeah. being put on. And yeah. and therefore, functionally identical purpose-wise yeah. to what we've already seen before. Just done differently, but not that differently. Because you're yeah. at that point, you don't even have the excuse of, well, we're trying to ground it in reality anymore. It's just like, let's bring this to life in abstract fantasy right. terms again. And you just decided on the same terms again. Now, the thing with this song is that they are, Be Our Guest style, essentially putting on a show by the end of the song, which you can't do in this version. So I guess it's like if you just (laughs) had footage of silverware on a table while they played. (laughs) (laughs) So they had to come up with another idea. And the idea here is that he's just losing Zazu in the crowd crowd of of animals, Mm -hmm. which I think honestly could have been communicated better with a more dense crowd yeah yeah i don't, Agreed, I, don't yeah. I never felt like he was getting particularly lost because they they kept him whipped up in and he was being lost in small ways but then he always found them again yeah but then the actual final losing of him was just that he was in some birds <laughs> yeah yeah which i think he should have been incredibly equipped to, to be able to a see through weak, yeah. yeah yeah i mean given uh, that the previous that the animated version ends up with him being sat, sat on, on by, by a rhino, rhino yeah yes which is funny yeah and a much more comprehensible way of losing him yeah. You know? yes yeah so maybe not be sat on by a ri- realistic rhino yeah. but maybe get stuck in some rhinos who've hemmed him in or yeah something. yeah I think exactly there's some more realistic ways of 
framing some of the shots that they did, there are ways that are compatible with realism that still yes. could have used or made interesting use of negative space and things like that. Like you could have mm. had them run underwater underneath a bunch of elephant trunks. Yeah, you could yeah. have had them. You know, right, so you could have a shot where there's a lion running along. Elephant trunks are dangling. Yes. The camera is passing behind them. Yes. And you get a strobe effect as he's running along. And, yeah. you, and yeah. you get a creative way of yeah. creating yeah. Exactly. something and can't wait to be kingish in real yeah, life. Yeah, that's sort of what I mean by, by saying that you might be able to like just up the saturation mm. and do some interesting framing to make it feel more bombastic than, than yeah. it actually is. I'd have found that more satisfying because yeah. by the end they are still all singing like in the original and I couldn't tell how diegetic that was I couldn't tell were they moving their mouths were the giraffes singing along or was it just voiceover was it just the song yeah. being played to us and I don't really think the film wanted to make a statement either way no I just felt in the end they were a bit it was just a bit wishy-washy I didn't feel like I was watching the real life version of those musical scenes no nor was I watching an equally good animated version it, no they were just sort of in there and I ended up not even though they are demonstrably sung better I ended up not enjoying any of those scenes as much yeah. as I enjoyed any of the ones in Aladdin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, oh the songs in Aladdin way more entertaining than this. Yeah, I was very entertained by the musical yeah, numbers Yeah, I Aladdin. kind of can't wait to hear them again, whereas with this, I'll put the better version on. That's it. Anytime I have the urge to hear those songs. Exactly. Two better versions. Like, I can take the pick. Right? Yeah, screen. exactly. And Hakuna Matata remains as bad a song as it ever was. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you see, and that's an example of where I didn't like the let's just leave these comedians to riff, because they did start to get yes I sniggered at like whoa you've aged during this song yeah but I shut up <laughs> yeah that's like you don't trust me to understand the film yeah 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 but that's a reaction to the original film yes and it, it feels out of place that, you know it's the same with that line where Pumbaa actually says farted yeah that's it I can't decide whether I I think I did find that funny yeah and yeah. I don't know if it was funny I think it was more just like the that like, anticipation, oh, yeah. yeah, that like, anticipation you know? of like what, what, oh, what are they? And They're sort of breaking the fourth wall a little bit there, and I but thought, I don't know if they should have. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I thought Seth Rogen acted feel... the anticipation and break that I felt yeah. well. Yeah, but I now I can't watch it again because it'll happen again. Yeah, and it only works <laughs> yeah, the first exactly, time. Yeah. <laughs> like made... that would have worked brilliantly on stage. Yes! Yeah, so brilliantly on stage. The point about that. Uh, oh, you gained four hundred pounds during this yeah. song yeah. thing. I hated that line yeah. because it broke the fourth yeah. wall so so yeah. plainly. Yeah, I was just like, wow. Ah, this is like not that. a film yeah. that's like that. No. Otherwise, yeah. exactly. That was a joke this to the audience when the rest Deadpool. of the film is yeah. <laughs> taking pains to yeah. not acknowledge that it's a film. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Also. I just cannot see that be prepared compromise oh, pleasing anybody. Who was that for? Yeah. Yeah, who was who was that for? I, I want to know every step of the decision there. Yeah. Yeah, I would honestly love to have been a fly on that wall. Yeah. Well, what I think it was is I remember them months ago saying that be prepared wasn't in the film. Yeah. I think oh. that they got wind of the fact that everyone was super unhappy about it and they're like, well, we don't really have a place for Be Prepared, yes. but I guess we can do a Be prepared E bit. Did you know, the you thing know? is, I feel like by doing the Be prepared E bit, they created a place for Be Prepared because I'm so used to Be Prepared 
But this was... And all right, it was just because they kept saying it over and over again. But this was kind of the first time I acknowledged what the words be prepared means. It's not as if they ever sort of went as far as to go like, you know how there's bad people in the real world right now taking power and stuff? Yeah. But something about that approach to be prepared yeah made it feel a bit like that it made it feel like a bit of a like here is how a demagogue could convince people to follow him and do something bad yeah i liked that yeah yeah and something about the phrase be prepared when it was really exposed to me as a phrase that means something and isn't just the name of a disney song it was like oh that could be scary yeah but i think they chose not to bother really to leaning into that and I think in the end it wasn't that much shorter than the real Be Prepared and I feel like the remaining space in Be Prepared was enough to really drive that home as a great version Be Prepared yeah I feel like they could have done it yeah like it was the realistic version of Be Prepared in a way yeah I just don't yeah ultimately it felt like a studio note or like focus group note it tested super badly that Be Prepared wasn't in there in some way yeah so here it is in some way the, the only but, trouble was he really didn't sound like he wanted to be singing it no I know yeah mm. that was it the whole film felt like alright here it, you go yeah here is a thing that we can use to tell you that we had to be prepared in here. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on then, you know? Mm. Yeah. Give me all of it or just go take it. Go big or go home. Go, go big or go home. I'm putting that in the drawer because I want to talk about Mufasa's ghost later and I, I kind of feel similarly. Let, hey, let, uh, well, let's yes. talk about that now. I yeah, don't okay. think, we, I think we've gone ghost. through all of the... Yeah. Uh, I the thought it was a great part. effect. What they gave us was great. Yeah. But that was the bit I'd been looking forward to because in the original film, it's the bit that's closest to the aesthetic that they're giving us in this film. Those clouds are quite realistic. Yeah. So much could be done there that not yet having settled into the no, it really for real looks real, and that's why they presumably didn't go big on that scene. Yeah. It didn't live up to what I was anticipating before I went in to see the film. It's the only bit that, that didn't in terms of the visuals. Yeah. So what were you anticipating? Honestly, I guess just the version from the original, but bigger. But HD. Yeah. <laughs> and and 3D as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I acknowledge that that would not fit into this world. Yeah. Also, though, it's a ghost. Yeah. yeah. It's not. It didn't fit into the world in the first place. That's the point of it. And, and he's already. Do- they've already done the bit where the reflection changes to yeah. Mufasa's yeah. reflection, which like, is like yeah. stepping into this different reality. Yeah. And by not doing "Can't Wait to Be King," weirdly, it's as if they're saving it all up. Yeah. Um. And yeah, very strange that all I got was a brilliant. I loved the effect they gave us. Yeah. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. Honestly. And I liked that it made me... Maybe I was supposed to think this in the original, but I never thought of it. It made me think that was Mufasa lightninging at the end, getting that fire going. That yeah, was him yeah. helping still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Because that's that's said, how like, I saw I, it this I, time. I, I'm always with you, I never left you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that... Yeah, it really felt... Not like a, I'll help, son. But like, <laughs> no. But like, I'm still with you, we're working together, circle of life sort of stuff. Yeah. So I like now part of the that. forces of nature that yeah. assist yeah. you. With that kind I've of become thing. one with the force. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like kind of. Yeah. So really, I've got no complaint against the decision they made, but I was looking forward to that. I'm afraid. I don't think it. It's a moment in the film that is lessened by them going subtle on it. I think that's it. You know, that's it. And and go big or go home. You here's know? the other thing. This was the moment that I was going to bring up as, like, to me, this was my greatest example of it's not the animals that aren't delivering the emotion. I've always felt that the original film dropped the ball by not having enough of an emotional response to this come out of Simba. His dad, his dead dad, who he thinks he killed, not only is back, essentially, 
but is somewhere between disappointed in him and forgiving him. That is one of the bigger emotions that like you could put in a film mm. if you put it in. And I kind of felt like instead he goes like, oh, and they sort of don't do it. Yeah. In the stage show, they cover that by making it be a song, but I kind of thought they whiffed it there because they make it a happy moment. He jumps and bounds, bounds around the stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was waiting to have my heart broken in that moment. Mm. And I... Nothing, no acting came out of the guy at all. Mm. Less yeah. than Matthew Broderick, I would go as far as to say. Mm. He's like, but dad, I can't be what you want me to be. All right, bye. It was nothing. It was really flat, yeah. yeah. I think that's a fault of the voice acting. And that, yeah, it's where I formulated yeah. that thought. It's not the pictures. It's not the eyes. It's not the movement. It's not the fact that animals can't smile. Yeah. It's the performances and the directing. And Donald Glover is a, you know, yes! c- certified good... I've uh, super seen him do good, acting. Good, talented yeah. person. Mm. Yeah. He wa- yeah, it's not his fault. He was... So far, no Simba has been permitted to play that scene yeah. as far as I'm concerned yeah, it and I can't really believe be, they didn't put it in this time it should really be like heart-wrenching like it should be it should like be as much as when as almost the, ugly sobs yeah, you know? yeah. Like, because the kid version of him gets to act that yeah. more or less and I feel like this should be for that wave to break because he's been it's this catharsis of his because he's life. been holding it back for his whole adult life, life or yeah. young adult life yeah. has been about not confronting that day yeah and, and it and it doesn't confront him that day either. It no. should be this huge wave breaking on the shore and it's nothing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Hopefully, maybe one day we do get a version where... Because Simba... I think it's clear that we're going to keep getting versions. Yeah, I yeah. so. Um, where Simba does really, like, break down as he faces that. Yeah, dude, why not? Yeah. It's not even something that would... It's not something you need to pussyfoot around because it wouldn't spoil the film to have emotion there. Yeah. Because we're all expected to feel it anyway. Like, people talk make, about that as an emotional It scene. would make his galvanization feel stronger. Yes! Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because in this, all that happened was he went up there, almost consulted the, the pond, and then came back and roared at them to tell them he's going to go back. And it, yeah. I didn't feel like it was earned. Mm-hmm. Look, though, in order for that to change... Uh-huh. The makers of this film would have had to acknowledge that there was anything to be changed about The Lion King. Uh, and that's very clearly not the point that yeah. they started with. Yeah. Or if, if it was a point that they started with, then they were disabused of that notion very quickly. <laughs> As I said before, either they didn't know that they could correct stuff or they weren't allowed to. Yeah. yeah. But what I, I still think they could have fitted in more of a reaction because I think he had more of a reaction in the original version. He had yeah. little, like, he had tears coming out of his eyes and everything. And he, he drops yeah. his head yeah. and he, I don't he know. begs him not to leave him. Yeah, yeah, well. he begs him in the original. Yeah. In this, yeah. he just says it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you get that out of Donald Glover without doing it deliberately? I don't know what that decision is. I understand the rest of the decisions. Downplaying Mufasa's ghost, I get, because it's the yeah. tone of the whole thing is realism. The acting, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why you got bored halfway through. I did, yeah. Yeah. that big got boring yeah. and it got flat yeah mm-hmm. I think it was after that bit but it was or maybe it was before and after there was, yeah there was a few bits where I'm like I realised I was drifting off and yeah. thinking about other stuff I think I got that too yeah. I think I got that as well there's so much new about the form this takes you know it's like a really shiny new machine yeah. and it's like whoa look at how immaculately this has been built but then when you press the button and turn it on, it's doing something that... You already have something that does that. Yeah. There's only so much that the novelty can carry that. Like, yeah. for as much as I said that I do actually think that it's an artistically worthwhile thing to do it in the way they've done it. Yep. And that I think it could pave the way for interesting yep. stuff in I, future. I, I agree with that. I and that I that. respect what it is. Mm. I'd be surprised if I watched this again. Yeah, I, yeah. 
Yeah, it's the. Yeah. I think out of all three of us, I can see you watching it again because yeah. of the visuals and the yeah. artistry. For artistic value, for inspiration, yeah. for yeah. just looking at the masterworks yeah. of CG that exist in this film, yeah. I would watch that. Yeah. But I wouldn't be watching this for. But if like, I wanted to watch The Lion ah, King. Time to mm. put in a VHS. <laughs> like, you know that little kid sense yeah. of, exactly, of yeah. like, oh, I'm going to watch a video, you yeah. know, that kind of a That's thing. That's it. Yeah. And that is why you watch The Lion King. Yeah. And as we said previously, I am. I'm going to watch Aladdin again. Yeah, for, for that fun. reason, for fun. Yeah. When I I went back and saw it with you. Yeah. And that was partly to show you, but it was also for fun. Yeah. I remember when I when we wrapped up the Aladdin podcast, I asked you what you thought your ongoing relationship with the film was yeah. going to be, and I asked you that with the assumption, honestly, that you'd have one. Because yeah. I knew that I was going to have one, and I know yeah. with that one that I will. I know I'll watch that film more times. I don't know that I will with this. I don't know that I'll ever see this again, for sure. I will, yeah. but it will be for study. study. Oh my god, I well, wish I could play with the shaders for this. Uh, like yeah, all the first right? stuff. Please, Disney, somebody at Disney, leak the rig <laughs> models. Know, yeah. Leak the rig models for me, please. Yeah. <laughs> leak the whole files for the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yes. But you know, that, this is... they just released all of it as a god. learning tool. Oh, oh you know god, what I mean? yeah. Oh my god. But this is why I, this is why I talked about and wanted to put these two doors of this ridiculous cupboard metaphor in. <laughs> because I have two completely different responses to the film. It's yeah. almost like two films. I'm so on board with the visuals, and I got almost nothing out of the other the content of the film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Everything that I did like about it is from The Lion King. Oh, by the way, and this is something I saw someone say that they're disappointed that the storyboard artists from the original don't get more of a credit in this because essentially this is just another final like in the way that the film was made by animating to the storyboards so was this yeah yeah and they, where are they where, you know where, where's I'm the original sure there's crew all sorts of contractual things yes. that, that mean that I and i don't understand them yeah. they probably aren't fair but you know what i mean <laughs> it's, it's like legal stuff legal yeah. stuff yeah like all yeah pay stuff i assume <laughs> they're not being paid for it but i just Basically, I want the world to acknowledge the original 1990s team's work on this film. Yeah, so, so basically, here yeah. we are doing it now. Like, yeah, all the apart from the the realistic graphics, the actual like scene setting and directional work that was good in this, yeah, is from The Lion King from 1994. Yeah, nearly all of it. Yep, followed really closely right to the point where it. It got silly sometimes. I can't remember what it is now, but there was one point where something started happening that we actually laughed at because it was so... What was it? We laughed at when Can You Feel the Love Tonight started. Yeah. I definitely laughed at yeah. that. I found that funny because they tried to, like, African up the intro from the Elton John version. Yeah. That was I weird. I noticed that, yeah. Yeah. That part, Certainly yeah. it got to the point where it was so baffling how faithful they were being to the original that it, it sometimes did come across as funny. And yeah. talk about a fixer-upper was one of those moments where yeah. there was no function for that line. No. And including, it is now a 25-year-old joke Yeah, that was essentially a sort of a reference to something people were saying then that I as a kid didn't get. Yeah. So I didn't get that joke then. Yeah. For them to keep that and carry that across for a whole new generation of kids not to get. But yeah. dispose the one about a throw rug. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which like, is no more or less pop culture than that. Yeah, it's in the same keeping of mm. that sort of thing. Like, what the hell is a meerkat going to know about yeah. a fixer-upper yeah. house? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know... Why did they decide that that line was so iconic? Yeah. Yeah. That they couldn't dispense and with the, it? And, the, and it was such a meandering journey because he'd already moved away from it and then he had to swerve back to it. Yeah, then, I know. I know. He'd covered that beat, as it were, that sort of joke. Yeah. yeah it's it's like, a, but I have to include that line because it's such a pivotal part of yeah. everyone's childhood. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Whereas I would say there are lines that are equally unimportant, but that are just on a personal level, like, I eat like a pig. Yeah. Because that was in the game. So I recognize it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. It starts. Yeah. You think you know a guy. <laughs> yeah. That stuff wasn't in it. And, no. Uh, and all right. I get that the lines I remember doesn't make them iconic lines, but like, but it was what they chose was yeah. seemed so random. It was interesting how they changed it from you, you called me a pig or something to like mm. uh, to like the to sort a body of like shaming body moment, body shaming yeah. Thing, yeah, which was like interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I think it covered like you were saying earlier. I think it covered that sort of a note, but be, but was different. It had room to breathe. Right, exactly. It's yeah. The, and yeah, that was something that worked a lot better. I felt when when Pombo was going on about like. What? What are you saying? And you're yeah. like, ah, you're a bully. That kind of Because frankly, and that's much more in keeping with how they did Aladdin. That, exactly. Yeah. In Aladdin, they somehow, and I appreciated it, but now I super appreciate yeah. how well they got the balance between what lines we keep yeah. and what jokes we just do our own version of. Yeah. Because they did keep lines, yeah. but they yeah. all felt like the lines you should keep. Yeah. And they never felt like... As far as I can remember. And now we are contractually obligated yeah. to say this line. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It just didn't feel like that. And No, I feel mean saying this. I know everyone worked really hard, but it feels like the graphics team are the people who worked hard in this film. Yeah. They knew in that sense, it's that yeah. bunch that were going to be carrying the production. Yeah. yeah. I do feel a bit sorry for the graphics team in this regard. Because they're the ones who are getting all the criticism. Yes. Yes. When they put in... So you can see their love in everything you're looking at all yeah. the way through. You can feel it. Yeah. This afternoon. <laughs> I'm kind of serious when I say uh -huh. they should release all the source files yeah. and just make them public. Turn this film into a library. Yeah. You know, turn it into the Beauty and the Beast library that, like, generations of animators can be ushered into and yeah. be like, look at this! Yeah. You know? Because I think that this is a... It this, has more value as that. a learning yeah. tool, yeah. you yes. know, than it does as a film yeah. in and of its own right yeah. if you if you just made this and released it in that capacity this film would be doing such good for society I know. and it would be remembered for generations to come <laughs> as like ground zero for a million careers yeah right but as a film it's just like uh, yeah, i don't know whatever <laughs> like yeah be, being and this is more critical than i kind of just feel like being but to have fun being critical for a moment it's as if this is a demo pack yeah. for the software they're going to sell to people who make real nature documentaries. Yeah, right. And who uh -huh. just now and then are going to want to tweak just something. Yeah. Not not fake it, but yeah. just tweak something. It, this is... it is a demo pack, though. Yeah. It's a demo pack for everything anyone is ever going to use this kind of tech and this kind well, of storytelling Well, anytime anyone's going to do animals in film, yeah. this is the presentation at which the animal trainers of the world go like, ah. Don't you mean extinct? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. You know, you wouldn't watch the demo reel off any of those software things as a film. And I don't know that I'd watch this as a film again, yeah. really. And it's so weird to me that I'm saying this about John Favreau's Lion King remake. Yeah, John Favreau's Lion King. Totally makes sense yeah. that the the series of Disney remakes, Lion yeah. King remake. But this is the guy that did Jungle Book. Yeah. And Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was clearly super invested on the tech side. Yeah. So I can't imagine that he wasn't 
really maybe he just got lost in the weeds of that yeah. I mean, you know here's my impression i mean obviously i wasn't there i yeah. don't know but like my impression is is disney knows what a crown jewel the lion yeah. king is and they know okay this is our precious baby beautiful thing that we know works and yeah. you are not gonna screw with it yeah. and you went and you did all this like different stuff with the Jungle Book, and that's okay. Because well, we don't care about the Jungle we, Book as much. We don't care yeah. about that as much. So we, the board of trustees here yeah. at Disney, have decreed that you have this much room to breathe yeah. and everything else has to be exactly that way or we will throw a snip. But I would buy that if they hadn't so obviously had a lot more lateral space to move on Beauty and the Beast, which is just mm. as much of a crown yeah. jewel. Mm. Like, and, if, and also if Lion King... Lion King really invites, not necessarily changes, yeah. but expansion. There are yeah. whole bits that you can slot stuff into, and it's yeah. very weird that and, they didn't. And Lion King is uniquely the property where the Lion King as a concept is defined by two points mm -hmm. between which there's quite a bit of wriggle room. Yeah. The show and the movie. Yeah. There was a lot of space to manoeuvre between those points, and they just fixated on this one pixel's worth of space. Yeah. And just acted like they were straightjacketed when they weren't. Mm. They weren't straightjacketed. I don't know why. Well, the straightjacketing that they experienced, I think, is more artificial than perhaps. Yeah, the it, it's in the mind. Yeah. Yeah. So what? What we don't know, and one day hope we will find out, is. Yeah. Was it artistic decision? Was it John Favreau going like, "This is perfect. Let's try and Stay recreate with it." it. Yeah. Or was it executive fiat? Did they come in and say, "You will do nothing"? Because yeah. if it's Favreau, then I'm just like. Well, I, I think you're wrong on this, mate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I say, I just can't believe I'm coming away from this saying this about John Favreau's Lion King after what we said about Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. Guy Ritchie's <laughs> Aladdin, yeah. You know? Yeah. Very odd. <laughs> and that's... It's why as we carry on through this era of live-action Disney remakes... I've got to go into each one with an open mind. Yeah. I have There's to. There's no predicting what it's going to be no, anymore. No, because so many people, most especially the most cynical people about this remake cycle, yeah. they behave as though, you know what you're getting with these remakes. No, you yeah, don't. No. You don't. You absolutely yeah. do not. No. I can't see how you can go, in this year, in 2019... How you can go to Tim Burton's Dumbo, oh, God, Guy yeah. Ritchie's Aladdin, John Favreau Lion King, and then <laughs> insert name here's Maleficent 2 <laughs> later this year, yeah. and come away from those films feel like, yeah, I feel like you basically know what you're going to get out of these. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Yeah. It's like a lottery each time, and it's why, yeah. like, I'm going to be going to, you know, Rob Marshall's Little Mermaid, and, you know, that wushu um mulan remake they're doing mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna go in and say like god knows yeah god knows what yeah. you're gonna do yeah. god knows if what you're trying to do is gonna be a good idea yeah. and god knows if you get anywhere even close to it yeah yeah i'm so bored of the argument that ah they're just cynical cash grabs it's like maybe as a whole certain ones are kind of cynical cash grabs but they're full of so many people who clearly are trying to do something yeah. with yeah. this opportunity we talked about that on Didn't the aladdin we, yeah. episode as well it's like in every single case but the when... initial germ of the idea was not we have a story in our heart and, you know, a song yeah, to yeah, sing. Yeah, yeah. It's a studio exec saying, like, this one. Now this when one. you fill a room full of artists. Exactly. exactly. When you have that you decision at art. Disney. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you'll get and the result of so many people's creativity. Yeah, and what that art ultimately says 
is obviously subjective and worth discussing. And it's the product of that weird alchemy of whoever was in that room at any given time. It's like chaos theory. You don't know where it's going to go. It's ended up being a weird ride, and that's why we've been doing these. Why this is interesting. Yeah, it's why this is interesting as a series of things to do. Because if we'd got the impression after two or three of them that these are all basically the same sort of thing, we wouldn't still be talking. So yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. And look, I know I've said this about previous movies. Okay. And they're mostly jokes and sometimes they're not jokes. Oh, they should use that tech to do the sequel now. <laughs> I'm not saying that about this one. <laughs> I'm very pointedly not saying that about this one. No, no, no. No seeing a weird, realistic Kovu waggle his butt and talk about making a new pride for you? No, no none of that. No, none of that. None of that. And it'll oh, take. Are you sure? Uh. <laughs> to be honest, though, look, maybe I do want to see Inupendi in the middle of the bloody afternoon with, <laughs> with, with like no fantasy elements, and it's just them like in a river. I don't know, <laughs> but on balance, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's my last word. Okay, I only had one other thing to say, really. Um, I, I wasn't sure if it was fair to bring this up, but like. When you were watching this, did any of it seem suspiciously similar to Kimber the White Lion? <laughs> oh no! <laughs>